This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Wal-a'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lahu waliyu al-salihin. وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله النبي المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So today is the 23rd day of the month of Ramadan of the year 1441 of the Hijrah of our Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم And so therefore this is the 23rd session and sitting of the reading and commentary of Tafsir al-Jalalain by its two authors, Jalaluddin al-Mahalli and Jalaluddin al-Suyuti alayhima rahmatullahi ta'ala. And yesterday we stopped at the end of verse 21 in Surah Al-Zubar, so we're just before the beginning of the 24th juz of the Qur'an. And today inshallah ta'ala we begin with verse 22 of Surah Al-Zubar. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم اغفر لشيخنا ولوالدينا ولجميع المسلمين أما بعد قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى في تفسير قوله تعالى أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم أفمن شرح الله صدره للإسلام فهو على نور من ربه Is he whose breast is open to Islam and thus is guided and who is therefore illuminated by his Lord like one whose heart is sealed? فَوَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Woe! In other words, they will be punished to those whose hearts are hardened against remembrance of Allah preventing them from accepting the Qur'an. أُولَٰئِكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ Such people are clearly misguided. So as we mentioned yesterday, this is a surah that speaks about the importance of sincerity and worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the importance of turning to Allah azza wa jalla and making the religion pure for him. And I mentioned, I think yesterday, that some of the scholars refer to this surah as the second ikhlas, the second surah of sincerity because of its focus on this aspect of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah nazzala ahsan al-hadith kitaban Allah has sent down the supreme discourse, meaning the Qur'an, a book consistent. The word used means that its parts resemble one another in organization, in its frequent repetitions. The word used means that threats, promises and other things are repeated in it. The skins of those who fear their Lord tremble at it, meaning when they hear his threat mentioned. And then their skins and hearts yield softly to the, remember, to the remembrance of Allah when His promise is mentioned. That is Allah's guidance by which He guides whoever He wills. And no one can guide those whom Allah misguides. In verse number 23, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah has sent down the supreme discourse. Meaning the best and the supreme discourse, meaning the Quran, 
Kitab Mutashabiha, a book which is consistent. And the word Mutashabih means that it is similar. Mutashabih means that it is similar, meaning that words of the Quran resemble other words of the Quran, that it is similar to one another in its words and in its meanings. And that is from the beauty and the eloquence of the Quran. Mathani, and it has frequent repetitions, meaning that it repeats themes and emphasizes them due to their importance, as Al-Imam Al-Tabari mentioned. He mentioned the same tafsir as Al-Mahalli does in his commentary. Al-Imam Al-Tabari said something very similar, that it repeats the stories of the prophets, and it repeats the concepts of Jannah and Naab, and repeats the concepts of the rulings of Islam, and, and so on and so forth. So it is something which repeats, and that repetition is for further emphasis. It is repetition that brings extra uh, information, or extra rulings, or extra parts and lessons from those stories of the Qur'an, and so on. Al-Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that if you were to gather the different verses of the Qur'an that speak about the Book of Allah Azza wa Jal, in terms of and in relation of how we, as servants of Allah, should relate to the Qur'an, or our interaction with the Qur'an, or how we should behave towards the Qur'an, he said that we would find three main attributes, or three main characteristics. The first of them is that the Muslims are those, and these are the three that make us different then from other people. The first of them is that we prefer to listen to the Book of Allah and to read His verses than to busy ourselves with other than the Book of Allah Azza wa Jal. Whereas Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says about the disbelievers that they would rather listen to Lahu al-Hadith, vain speech, which is music and which is poetry which has no benefit or poetry which, which calls to evil and so on. Those types of things are what they like. As for the believer from their main attributes is that they love to read the Book of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. And it's something which they enjoy, and something which they go back to over and over again. And when you understand that concept from the character of the believers, then you understand those stories amongst the Salaf, especially in this month of Ramadan, where some of them would read and finish the Quran 10 times, 20 times, 30 times in the single month of Ramadan. And that's because of how much they love the Quran and how much they love to read the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you read some of their works and some of their books, you can see a very clear indication that they had a very close relationship with the book of Allah Azza wa Jal, that they were people who reflected and contemplated over its meanings because some of what they derive and deduce from the wisdoms and from the lessons of the Quran isn't just something which you come across by reading it once or twice. It's something which requires you to read it multiple times and then to be attentive in your reading so that you can compare verses to other verses and you can see the similarities and the differences and why there may be a difference between this verse and that verse even though generally they're speaking about the same concept and issue. That takes a lot of thought and a lot of, uh, a lot of concentration. And from the scholars who in our recent times who was known for this was Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shaqiti Rahimahullah Ta'ala. And that's why I often quote from him and mention him in this tafsir. His book of tafsir, Adwa'ul Bayan, which is the tafsir of the Qur'an with the Qur'an is amazing. His ability to draw verses from different parts of the Qur'an and link them together is amazing. It is a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah bestowed upon him rahimahullah ta'ala. That takes, and just from his ability to do that, you know then that he's someone who spent much of his life just focused on the Qur'an, reading the Qur'an and reading the Qur'an and reading the Qur'an. And that's why it's reported from some of the scholars of Islam that they said towards the end of their life, 
that from the regrets that they had is that if they could go back in time and have their time again, they would have spent more of their time, energy and focus on the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from the scholars that it is said or is reported that they said that was Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. That he said that this is one of the regrets that I have that I didn't spend more time focused on the Qur'an. That doesn't mean that his other knowledge on what he did was in any way, uh, any way below par. Or that he didn't have a focus on the Qur'an. But it's just that the Qur'an and the book of Allah Azza wa Jal is a book that if you continue, and so long as you continue to go back to it, you can continue to derive lessons from it. The second uh, etiquette that Ibn, uh, Ibn Kithi rahimahullah mentions from the people of the Qur'an then is that they have adab when it comes to the Qur'an. They're people of etiquettes when it comes to the Qur'an. The manner in which they read, the manner in which they approach the Qur'an, the fact that when it's being read, they listen attentively, they don't raise their voice over the Book of Allah Azza wa All of those etiquettes that we've so far mentioned in the Qur'an and others will still come in the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the second thing and that is why scholars used to write books that they would author independently on the topic of Adab Hamalatil Qur'an. The etiquettes of those who carry the Qur'an, the people who read the Qur'an and memorize the Qur'an and study the Qur'an, those etiquettes are extremely important for them. And the third thing that he mentions, rahimahullah ta'ala, is what Allah Azza wa Jal then mentions here in this verse. And that is that when they read the Qur'an, it affects them, causes their hearts to tremble, their iman to increase. It causes them to fall into prostration, causes them and brings tears to their eyes. Because of what they read from the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Especially when they read it with their meaning and their tafsir and they understand its context. And by knowing the tafsir you have a greater meaning and a greater window and door that opens for you into the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those three characteristics are what makes this ummah special. And what makes them from the people of the Qur'an. أَفَمَنْ يَتَّقِي بِوَجْهِهِ سُوءَ الْعَذَابِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Is someone who tries to shield himself with his face from the worst of the torment, torment on the day of rising. He tries to protect his face from the intensity of the heat when he is cast into the fire with his hands chained to his neck. Is he like the one who is made safe from that by entering paradise? وَقِيلَ لِلظَّالِمِينَ ذُوقُوا مَا كُنْتُمْ تَكْسِبُونَ The wrongdoers will be told, taste what you have earned. In verse 24, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَمَنْ يَتَّقِي بِوَجْهِهِ سُوءَ الْعَذَابِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Is someone who tries to shield himself with his face from the worst of the torment on the day of rising. And then it's a question mark. And it's as if it is an incomplete sentence. And then Allah Azzawajal moves on to something else. And this is a well-known uh, mode of eloquence in the Arabic language. A usage of eloquence in the Arabic language known as an iktifa. An iktifa means that you ask a question without giving, a, without finishing the question. You ask half the question and then you stop. And what it means is, is this person better, the one who shields their face, meaning that it's going to be punished in the fire? Is he better or the one that Allah grants to them paradise? That is the completion of the verse. But Allah doesn't mention the other half, number one, because it's to make you think. And to contemplate and reflect the fact over that it's a missing sentence, what does it mean, makes you think. And number two, because the answer is obvious, to emphasize its importance, that it is obvious that clearly there is no similarity between these two individuals. Those before them also denied the truth by denying their messengers' warnings about divine punishment. And the punishment came upon them from where they did not expect, in a manner which had not occurred to them. 
So Allah made them taste disgrace, humiliation and abasement in the life of this world in the form of transmogrification, being killed and other things. And the punishment of the next world is far worse if they, meaning the deniers, only knew it. وَلَقَدْ ضَرَبْنَا لِلنَّاسِ فِي هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ مِنْ كُلِّ مَثَلٍ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ We have given all kinds of examples to people in this Qur'an so that perhaps they will pay heed. They will, so perhaps they will pay heed. قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا غَيْرَ ذِيعِ وَلِلَّعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ An Arabic Qur'an with no distortion in it, no confusion or disagreement so that perhaps they will be God-fearing and beware of unbelief. ضرب الله مثلا رجلا فيه شركاء متشاكسون ورجلا سلما لرجل Allah has made a comparison for them of idolaters and those who affirm Allah's unity of a man owned by several partners in dispute with one another whose evil qualities contend with one another and another man wholly owned by a single man who is wholehearted هل يستويان مثلا Are they the same? A slave with several owners is not the same as a slave with one master if the owners of the first all demand his service at the same time, he is bewildered about which of them to serve. This is like the idolater. The second is like the true believer. Alhamdulillah. Praise be to Allah alone. The fact is that most of them, meaning the people of Mecca, do not know the punishment which will befall them. And so they attribute partners to Allah. In verse 29, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلَ الرَّجُلْ مَنْ فِيهِ شُرَكَاءُ مُتَشَاكِسُونَ Allah sets forth the parable of a man who is owned by several partners in dispute with one another. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given similar parables to this before in the Qur'an. And the difference between them and Allah knows best is that those previous parables are speaking about it from the perspective and the point of view of the owner. It is the owners that if there's two owners and they have one slave and they're disputing one another, it's from their perspective. How does that even work? If there's two of you and you're pushing and pulling in different parts, and that's why Allah says if there's more than one God and they're pulling in different directions, then it would be evil and corruption upon the earth. In this verse, verse 29, it is the opposite. It is from the point of view of the servant. So we, as the creation of Allah, if we had more than one God, and one God is telling us to pray, and another one is saying don't pray, and one says give zakah, another one says you don't have to give zakah, and one says do something, another one doesn't says don't do something. How difficult would that be from our perspective to worship those multiple gods, each one with their own way and their own desires? And just as if you have in your job number of bosses, each one of them equal to the other, and each one of them pulling in a different direction, you're left in the middle. And if you do something wrong that one of them said do, and the other one said don't do, either way you can't win. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the parable from the other perspective as well, meaning from both perspectives. It doesn't work, neither from the perspective of the God, if there are multiple gods, nor from the perspective of the slave, if there are multiple gods that own him and direct him. And Allah knows best. Verse 30. This ayah is addressed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You will die and they too will die. You will die just as they will die. And so the fact of dying cannot be a source of insult. This was revealed because they thought he was taking a long time to die. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عِنْدَ رَبِّكُمْ تَخْتَصِمُونَ Then on the day of rising, you, mankind, will argue about the differences between you in the presence of your Lord. In verse number 31, Allah Azza wa Jal says, ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عِنْدَ رَبِّكُمْ تَخْتَصِمُونَ 
Then on the day of rising, you will argue in the presence of your Lord. And that is primarily between the believers and the disbelievers. And it could be between the disbelievers amongst themselves, as Allah Azzawajal has mentioned elsewhere in the Quran. And regarding this verse, there is a hadith in the Tirmidhi of Zubair ibn Awam, radiallahu anhu, the first cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that he said, O Messenger of Allah, based on this verse, does that mean that on the day of judgment we will repeat the arguments that we used to have in the dunya? Meaning that I thought it was all settled, we argued these issues out in the dunya, it's done and dusted. Does now that mean that when we come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, we will argue them all over again? The Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, yes. As Zubayr replied and he said, then the affair on that day will be extremely severe. So from the ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases the humiliation and punishment of the people of the fire that day, is to repeat the arguments and to make them subject or subject them to those same arguments and those same evidences that in the dunya they would reject or on Yawm Al-Qiyamah because when they see the rarity of everything, they will be unable to reject. فَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ كَذَبَ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَكَذَّبَ بِالصِّدِقِ إِذْ جَاءَهِ Who could do greater wrong than those who lie about Allah and describe a partner and a child to him and deny the truth, meaning the Qur'an when it comes to them? No one could do a greater wrong than this. أَلَيْسَ فِي جَهَنَّمَ مَثْوًا لِلْكَافِرِينَ Do the unbelievers not have a dwelling place in hell? Indeed, they do. In this verse, verse number 32, Allah says, فَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ who could do greater wrong, meaning who is more oppressive. The word Allah means who is more oppressive, who could do greater wrong. And this verse or this type of verse has come multiple times in the Quran. That Allah often says who could do worse than, who is more oppressive than. And then Allah mentions something. And it is not always the same. Sometimes it's ascribing lies to Allah. Elsewhere, who is worse than the one who stops people from coming to the houses of Allah and remembering Him. And so there's a difference between what those oppressions are. But each one of them, Allah Azza calls the most oppressive. Who can be more oppressive than them? So how do we reconcile between them? Two ways. Number one is the fact that they are the most oppressive doesn't mean that there are other people who are similarly more as oppressive as them. So when Allah says this person is the most oppressive, doesn't mean that they are unique in being the most oppressive, but rather there are others who are similarly very oppressive to them. And the other way is that we understand it to be that they are the most oppressive in that particular thing. That when it comes to preventing people from the houses of Allah, there is no one more oppressive than those who do so. And when it comes to ascribing rights to Allah, then there is no one more oppressive than those who do so. So each one is concerning their particular uh, issue. And that's why we mentioned, uh, similar to the question that we asked concerning what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that they will have the worst of punishment, the people of the table spread the ma'idah. But then Allah says the same thing about the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. And Allah says the same thing about the people of Pharaoh. And how do we reconcile between them? One of those answers is the same. That just because one has it doesn't mean that the others are excluded. Doesn't mean it's exclusive for them. But there are people who are similar to them in that regard. And Allah knows best. He who brings the truth, meaning the Prophet وسلم, and those who confirm it, meaning the believers. Those, although the singular form, الذي, is used here, the meaning is plural, Alladina. Those are the people who are God-fearing and wary of, wary of shirk.
They shall have anything they wish for from their Lord. That is a recompense of the good doers for their faith. So that Allah may erase from their records the worst of what they did and pay them their wages for the best of what they did. This means their good and bad actions. And in verse 35, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُكَفِّرَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ أَسْوَأَ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا وَيَجْزِيَهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ الَّذِي كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Allah goes from the worst of deeds to the best of deeds. And that is from the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when Allah azza wa rewards us, He rewards us for the best of deeds, as we've mentioned elsewhere in the Qur'an. And when Allah expates our sins, He expates the worst of them. So when we make tawbah to Allah Azza wa Jalla, we ask Allah to forgive us. Does that forgiveness just mean the least sins that we do in terms of in terms of evil, the minor sins only? No. It is the worst of sins that Allah Azza wa Jalla begins with from His mercy. And so that is from the beauty of making tawbah. And that is the beauty of making istighfar. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away those sins and Allah replaces them with the best of deeds. أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ is Allah not enough for his slave, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? وَيُخَوِّفُونَكَ بِالَّذِينَ مِن دُونِهِ Yet they try to scare you, meaning addressed to him, with others, meaning the idols apart from him. They try to scare him with idols, saying that they would kill him. In this verse, verse 36, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافِنَ abda Is Allah not enough for his slave, meaning is Allah not sufficient as a protector, as one to give divine care and protection and help and aid. That's the meaning of, is Allah not enough. وَمَنْ يُضْلِنِ اللَّهُ فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ هَادِ If Allah misguides anyone, he has no guide. وَمَنْ يَهْدِ اللَّهُ فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ مُضِلِ And if Allah guides anyone, he cannot be misguided. أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِعَزِيزٍ ذِنْتِقَامٍ Is Allah not almighty, exact of revenge against his enemies? In verse 37, the beginning portion is the end of verse 36. That is the conclusion of verse 36 that the translator maybe just so that it's an easier uh, easier to read has added to verse 37 but if the part if Allah misguides anyone he has no guide is the conclusion of verse 36 if you ask them who created the heavens and the earth they will say Allah قُلْ أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ إِنْ أَرَادَنِيَ اللَّهُ بِضُرٍ هَلْ هُنَّ كَاشِفَاتُ ضُرِّهِ Say, so what do you think? If Allah desires harm for me, can those, meaning the idols you call upon, and worship besides Allah, remove his harm? Read as, ضُرِّه and ضُرَّه أَرَادَنِي بِرَحْمَةٍ هَلْ هُنَّ مُمْسِكَاتُ رَحْمَتِهِ Or, if he desires mercy for me, can they withhold his mercy? Read as, they cannot. قُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهِ Say, Allah is enough for me. عَلَيْهِ يَتَوَكَّلُ الْمُتَوَكِّلُونَ All those who truly trust, put their trust in Him. قُلْ يَا قَوْمِ اعْمَلُوا عَلَى مَكَانَتِكُمْ إِنِّي عَامِلُ Say, my people, do as you think best. That is what I am doing. This is my state and your state. فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ You will soon know. مَنْ يَأْتِيهِ عَذَابٌ يُخْزِيهِ وَيَحِلُّ عَلَيْهِ عَذَابٌ مُقِيمٌ Who will receive a punishment which disgraces him and will unleash against himself an everlasting punishment, a 
punishment of the fire. Allah disgraced the idolaters at the Battle of Badr. We have sent down to you the book for mankind with truth. <coughs> so whoever is guided is guided to his own good. And whoever is misguided, it is to his detriment. You are not set over them as a guardian to compel them to follow guidance. Allah takes back people's souls when their death arrives and those who have not yet died He takes their souls while they are asleep He keeps hold of those whose death has been decreed and sends the others back for a specified time, term until the time of their death releasing the soul means that the body remains alive which is not the case when Allah keeps hold of the soul. There are certainly signs in that for people who reflect, and therefore know that the one who has the power to do that has the power to resurrect. Quraysh did not deny that. And this verse, verse 42, is the one that we asked a question about a couple of days ago. In the verse in Surah Al-Sajj, that the angel of death is the one that brings death. In other verses, Allah says it is the angels in the pool that bring death, and sometimes it is Allah, He says, that brings death. As in this verse, verse number 42, and we said that the way that we understand that is that Allah is the one who gives the decree and the command. And the angel of death is the one that is charged with that responsibility. And the angels in the poor are the assistants of the angel of death in that regard that Allah has given to them now. Or have they adopted intercessors besides Allah, meaning idols as gods, claiming that they will intercede for them with Allah? Say to them, will they intercede even though they do not control a thing by way of intercession or anything else, and have no awareness that they worship them or anything else? They will not. Say, intercession is entirely Allah's affair. He alone has power of intercession and no one is allowed to intercede except with his permission. The kingdom of the heavens and earth is his. Then you will be returned to him. In verse number 43, one of the things that you will notice in not only in this book of tafsir, but generally in the books of tafsir, is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks a question, that the scholars of tafsir usually respond. Even though the answer is, is well known. So when Allah says, Have they adopted intercessors besides Allah, even though they do not control a thing and have no awareness of it? He answers, they will not. And that is common in the books of tafsir. And so some of the scholars said it is from the etiquette that when you're reading the translation of the tafsir of the Quran and you come across those types of questions, then you answer it because Allah is asking the question and you answer it in the way that is appropriate to the manner that Allah is asking. And that is the methodology of the scholars of tafsir in their book. So this tafsir, despite its brevity, you will find whenever Allah asks a question, either he will complete the rest of the question, if the question needs completing, or he will give the answer to it because that is from the methodology of the scholars of tafsir. وَإِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ شْمَأَزَّتْ قُلُوبُ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ 
When Allah is mentioned on his own, rather than with their other gods, the hearts of those who do not believe in the next world shrink back shuddering, exhibiting great aversion and contraction. But when others, meaning idols apart from him, are mentioned, they jump for joy. Say, O Allah, originator of the heavens and the earth, knower of the unseen and the visible, you will judge between your slaves regarding what they differed about in respect of the deen. So guide me to the truth in that on which there is disagreement. وَلَوْ أَنَّ لِلَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ لَفْتَدَوْا بِهِ مِنْ سُوءِ الْعَذَابِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ If those who did wrong owned everything on earth, and the same again with it, they would offer it as a ransom to save themselves from the evil of the punishment on day of rising. وَبَدَا لَهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَمْ يَكُونُوا يَحْتَسِبُونَ What confronts them from Allah will be something they did not reckon with, meaning which they did not think would happen. What confronts them will be the evil actions which they earned. And what they used to mock at will engulf them. In other words, the punishment they had been warned about. When harm touches man, meaning mankind in general, he calls on us. Then, when we grant him a blessing from us, he says, I have only been given this because of my knowledge, which I have been given by Allah, so I am entitled to it and deserve it. In fact, it, referring to the statement or the blessing, is a trial, a test to which the saved is subjected, but most of them do not know it. Meaning how they are tried and led on. In verse number 49, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِذَا مَسَّ الْإِنسَانَ ضُرٌّ دَعَانَا ثُمَّ إِذَا خَوَّلْنَاهُ نِعْمَةً مِنَّا قَالَ إِنَّمَا أُوْتِيتُهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ When harm touches man, he calls on us, then when you grant him a blessing from us, he says, I have been only given this because of my knowledge. The knowledge that is being referred to, the scholars have two positions amongst the scholars of tafsir. The first is what the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions, which is also the opinion of Imam al-Tabari and al-Baghawi. Rahimahumullah amongst others That the knowledge that is being referred to is From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So therefore showing that when Allah azza wa Gives someone a blessing That doesn't necessarily mean that that blessing Is all good in every single time Or every single uh, every, From every single angle So when Allah azza wa gives someone wealth That wealth is a test Doesn't mean that that wealth will always be good for that individual It is only if they use the wealth in a manner which is good Then it is good but the blessing in and of itself is neutral. A car is neutral, a house is neutral, money and wealth is neutral, a job is neutral. They are neutral things that Allah gives. It is how you use them that brings them closer to a person. So, this person says, because it's from Allah, therefore I can do whatever I want with it. Which is a common thing even amongst Muslims today. Allah gave me wealth, it's the wealth that Allah gave me, I can do what I want with it. That's the first meaning. The second meaning is the position chosen by Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala. And that is, that the knowledge is ascribed to the person themselves. This is because of my own knowledge. And we mentioned the two similar positions in the story of Qarun. In the story of Qarun. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the story of Qarun at the end of Surah Al-Qasas. That he says, boasting about his treasure, it is because of my knowledge. Some of them said, because he had the knowledge of the Torah. 
But that knowledge, just the knowledge without action, without taqwa, without iman didn't benefit him. Another said, no, he's ascribing knowledge to himself. It's my intellect, it's my genius, it's my hard work. And the same two positions, therefore, are mentioned here in this verse as well. And Allah knows best. قَدْ قَالَهَا الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ فَمَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ Those who came before them, referring to past nations like Qarun and his people who thought like that, also said that. But what they earned did not avail them. فَأَصَابَهُمْ سَيِّئَاتُ مَا كَسَبُوا The repayment for the evil deeds, they earned caught up with them. وَالَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْ هَؤُلَاءِ سَيُصِيبُهُمْ سَيِّئَاتُ مَا كَسَبُوا وَمَا هُمْ بِمُعْجِزِينَ And the evil deeds with the wrongdoers among these people, meaning Quraysh, will also catch up with them. And they can do nothing to prevent it. They suffered a drought for seven years and then they were given relief. أَوَلَمْ يَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَبْسُطُ الرِّزْقَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَقْدِرُ do they not know that Allah expands provision of anyone He wills and restricts it as a test? There are certainly signs in that for people who believe in it. Say, my slaves, you who have transgressed against yourselves, do not despair. Read as of the mercy of Allah. Truly Allah forgives all wrong actions Provided there is repentance of any shirk He is the ever forgiving, the most merciful In verse number 53 It is said that there is a cause of revelation for this verse And that is in what is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari Of Abdullah ibn Abbas That he says that some of the people of shirk in Mecca the polytheists of Mecca were people who committed murder. Some of them were people who had committed a lot of murder. And some of them were people who had committed a lot of zina, fornicating, committed adultery. And so when they heard about this message of Islam, they said to some of their friends, what your companion says, meaning the Prophet ﷺ is good and is praiseworthy. But we are people of sin. Our whole life has been sin, murder, fornication, adultery, stealing. This is our life. So if we accept what he says, then what about all of those sins that we have accumulated? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. Say, O my slaves who have oppressed themselves, do not despair from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as some of the scholars then said, therefore the opposite is true. That the one who despairs from the mercy of Allah azza wa is not from the one who is a true believer. Because the true believer knows that there is always hope for them. There is always a possibility of them having their repentance accepted. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentioned this. So long as clearly as the author rahimahullah ta'ala says that there is repentance, that there is tawbah. And that's what Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala said, that the condition of this exclusive or this comprehensive forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that a person has sincere repentance. If they're sincere in their repentance, then Allah forgives all sins. By a single act of tawbah. Not that every time you sin you have to make tawbah as you should. But if for example a person for 10 years hasn't made tawbah. They've accumulated 10 years of sins. And then they come to Allah with a single act of tawbah. Allah forgives it all. As is mentioned in the hadith of the man who killed 99 men. And then he makes it 100. And then by making that single act of tawbah Allah forgives him. Because that is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
وأنيبوا إلى ربكم وأسلموا له من قبل أن يأتيكم العذاب ثم لا تنصرون Turn in repentance to your Lord and submit to him acting sincerely for him alone before punishment comes upon you for then you cannot be helped you cannot prevent the punishment if you have not repented واتبعوا أحسن ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم من قبل أن يأتيكم العذاب بغتة وأنتم لا تشعرون Follow the best that has been sent down to you from your Lord, meaning the Qur'an, before the punishment comes upon you suddenly when you're not expecting it and unaware of its time of arrival. Make haste, lest anyone should say, Alas for me, and what regret I feel for neglecting what Allah was due, failing to obey Him, and being one of the scoffers who scoffed at His deen and His book. In this verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how the people of Jahannam, the people of the fire, the day of judgment, their existence on Yawm Al-Qiyamah will be one of extreme regret and remorse. And from what is mentioned in that regard is the narration in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad Abu Huraira radiallahu anh, that the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the role of the people of the fire will see their place in Jannah had they entered into Jannah. They will be shown their place and the abode of Jannah that would have been theirs had they done good deeds to increase in their punishment, to increase in their abject humiliation. And so they will then say, if only we had accepted guidance. As that is what Allah is saying. That when you come on that day, that's what they will say. Blessed that you should say on that day of judgment that if only Allah had guided me. So they will be shown their place in Jannah this would have been yours. So they will say, if only we had accepted guidance. And the people of Jannah will be shown the abode of the fire had they entered it. This would have been your place. So then they will thank Allah and praise Him even more that they accepted the guidance that Allah Azza wa gave them. Or lest they should say, if only Allah had guided me to obedience, I would have been guided and I would have been God-fearing and had fear of his punishment. Or lest he should say when he sees the punishment, if only I could have another chance to return to the world so that I could be a good doer, meaning one of the believers. Allah then tells him, بَلَا قَدْ جَاءَتْكَ آيَاتِي فَكَذَّبْتَ بِهَا وَاسْتَكْبَرْتَ وَكُنْتَ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ No, the fact is that my signs, meaning the Qur'an, which are the means to guidance, came to you, but you denied them and were too arrogant to believe in it, and were one of the unbelievers. وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ تَرَى الَّذِينَ كَذَبُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ وُجُوهُهُمْ مُسْوَدَّةِ on the day of resurrection, you will see those who lied against Allah by saying that he has, he has a partner and a child with their faces blackened. Do not the arrogant, who are too arrogant to believe, have a dwelling place in hell. Allah will give security from hellfire to those who are God-fearing and wary of shirk in the victorious safe haven, the place where they achieve success in paradise. لا يمسهم السوء ولا هم يحزنون. No evil will touch them, and they will know no sorrow. الله خالق كل شيء وهو على كل شيء وكيل. 
Allah is the creator of everything and he is guardian over everything and does whatever he wishes with all things. The keys of the heavens and earth, meaning the keys of the treasures in the form of rain, plants and other things belong to him. It is those who reject Allah's signs, meaning the Quran, who are the losers. It is those who reject Allah's signs, who are the losers, continues on from Allah will give security to those who are God-fearing. And what is in between is an interpolation. Say, do you order me to worship something other than Allah, you ignorant people? It has been revealed to you and those before you. If you associate others with Allah, your actions will come to nothing and you will be among the losers. No, worship Allah only and be among the thankful. We thank Him for the blessings He has given them. They do not measure Allah with His true measure. They do not recognize Allah as He should be recognized or respect Him as He should be respected because they associate other with another with Him. The whole earth will be a mere handful for Him under His dominion and at His disposal on the day of rising. The heavens folded up in His right hand. Subhanahu wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. Glory be to him. He is exalted above the partners they ascribe. In verse 67, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ They do not measure Allah with his true measure, meaning that they don't afford to Allah azza wa jal what is befitting to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. They don't thank Allah as he deserves to be thanked. They don't remember Allah as he deserves to be remembered. They don't worship Allah as he deserves to be worshipped. They don't honor Allah as he deserves to be honored, and so on and so forth. That is the meaning. It is a general verse that speaks about all of those different aspects that they don't afford to Allah the rights in the manner in which he deserves, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says, وَالْأَرْضُ جَمِيعًا قَبْضَتُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And all of the earth will be in his grasp meaning in his hand, subhanahu wa ta'ala, on the day of judgment. And this is a misinterpretation from the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, because he describes the hand of Allah as being his power, his dominion, his disposal. And what is correct is that it is literal, that Allah will grab or Allah will grasp the earth on the day of judgment, and he will fold the heavens in his right hand, jalla fi and this is mentioned in a number of hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. From them is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu in Bukhari and Muslim that a Jewish rabbi once came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, O oh Muhammad, we find in that which Allah revealed to us, meaning the Torah, that on the day of judgment Allah will place the earth on a finger and the trees on a finger and the water, the oceans and the, and the rivers and so on on a finger and everything else on another finger. So the Prophet smiled, meaning that he approved of what he had found in the Torah. And in the other hadith of Abu Hurairah and also in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And then, sorry, the hadith continues after Allah places all of those on those fingers. He says, I am the king and Al-Malik. And also in the hadith of Abu Hurairah in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet Allah will grasp the earth 
on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and he will roll the, the heavens with his right hand and he will say, I am the king, where are the kings of the earth? And so these are explicit ahadith which show that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do this in a manner which befits his majesty. And only Allah Azza wa knows the reality of how that will happen. But to affirm it in the way that it is mentioned in the explicit verses of the Quran and by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is from the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَصَعِقَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ The trumpet will be blown with the first blast and those in the heavens and those in the earth will all lose consciousness and die except those Allah wills of the Huris, youths and other things. ثُمَّ نُفِخَ فِيهِ أُخْرَى فَإِذَا هُمْ قِيَامٌ Then it will be blown a second time and at once they, meaning all the dead creatures, will be standing upright, looking on, waiting to see what will be done to them. In this verse, Allah Azza wa speaks about the blowing of the trumpet, and this is something which we mentioned. The position of the scholars who said that there are only two blowings of the trumpet, which is the position of some of them, including uh, Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, is based on this verse, that Allah mentions two blasts of the trumpet. And those who said that there are three, like Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, they add the other verse that we already passed and we already covered. In these two verses, Allah speaks about the sa'at, which is a unconsciousness. In that one, it is a fear, fafazi'a. So they say that the trumpet, the blowing of the trumpet that casts fear will come first. Then the second one is the one that causes people to fall unconscious. Then the third one is the one that will cause them to be resurrected. And others say the first two are one. They will cause people to be cast, they will cast fear into them and cause them to fall unconscious as well. And we mentioned the hadith of Abu Hurairah in which the Prophet said وسلم, that the distance or the time span between the two is 40. And a number of the scholars said it means that it is 40 years. The author says, Illa man Allah, in the statement of Allah, except those that Allah wills, meaning that they will not fall unconscious. He says of the Hurul Eeen and the youth, meaning the servants of Jannah, the Ghilman of Jannah. That is the meaning of the youth, not youth as in uh, you know, just young people generally, it means youth, the youth of Jannah, the Ghilman, the servants of Jannah that Allah has created in Jannah and placed in Jannah to serve the people of Jannah. That's the meaning. The meaning of youth is not a child that dies before the age of puberty or any young person. It means those young people, they are called Ghilman in the Quran, meaning young servants. Young servants. That is the meaning. And we mentioned before that the scholars differ as to is there anyone exempt and who is exempt? from that blowing of the trumpet, and they said some of them, it is the angels, it is Jibreel, it is Mikael, others said that it is the prophets, others said that it is the shuhada, the martyrs. But what they do agree on, and there are differences of opinion of all of those, and Allah knows best. But what they do agree upon is what the author Ta'ala mentions, that the inhabitants of Jannah that Allah has created in there already, meaning not the people that will enter into Jannah as a result of their deeds and their reward, but the people of Jannah that Allah has placed in Jannah as the rewards and blessings of Jannah, which is the Hurul Eeen and the Ghilman, these young servants, they do not fall unconscious. And they use as a proof of that the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لا يذوقون فيها الموت. Those that are within it do not experience death. And Allah Azza wa knows best. وَأَشْرَقَتِ الْأَرْضُ بِنُورِ رَبِّهَا and the earth will shine with the pure light of its Lord when Allah manifests Himself in order to carry out the final judgment. The book of actions will be set up for the reckoning and will be put in place. 
and witnesses will be brought. Muhammad وسلم, and his community will be brought to testify on behalf of the messengers saying that they conveyed the message. It will be decided between them with the truth and justice and they will not be wronged to the slightest extent. In this verse, verse number 69, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The prophets will be brought and alongside them will be witnesses. And the scholars differ as to who the witnesses are. The prophets are the prophets. That's very well known. But who are the witnesses that will be brought? Some of them said that it is other prophets. The prophets and the prophets. Meaning the first one is the Prophet And then the other, the shuhada, are the other prophets. As was chosen by Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Others from amongst the scholars said that it refers to the angels. And that was the position chosen by Ibn Kathir. Allah will bring the prophets and the witnesses meaning the angels that will testify as to what people did because they recorded their deeds. And others from amongst them said that it is shuhada as in the martyrs. The word shuhada can mean witnesses and shuhada as we know can mean martyrs. And some of them held it to be what is apparent in that other meaning. And others from amongst them such as Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala said that the shuhada, the witnesses are this ummah. As Allah mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ Allah says in that verse that you are the middle balanced nation and you will be witnesses over all of mankind. So he brings the same verse here and he uses that to explain this one. That the prophets will be brought and we will be the witnesses. And that is mentioned in the hadith which the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa that Allah will call Nuh السلام, and Nuh will say لَبَيْكَ وَسَعْدَيْكَ And Allah will say to him, O Nuh al-Ballaq, did you convey the message to your people? And he said, yes, O Messenger, of, oh, yes, O Allah, I conveyed the message. Then Allah will turn to the people of Nuh, his nation, and say, هَلْ بَلَّغَكُمْ Nuh? Did Nuh convey the message to you? And they will say, no. مَا جَاءَنَا مِنْ نَذِيرٌ No prophet ever came to us. They will deny. So Allah will say, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to Nuh السلام, who will testify for you? And he will say, Muhammad and his Ummah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This Ummah will testify and we will testify based upon what we know that Allah mentioned of the truth in the Quran. That Allah told us and he is truthful that they, that Nuh and those prophets conveyed the message and their people rejected. And based upon what Allah told us of that certain knowledge, we testify against the other nations and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Every self will be repaid in full for what it did. He knows best what they are doing and has no need of witnesses to know that. Those who disbelieve will be driven to hell harshly in companies. أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْكُمْ يَتْلُونَ عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِ رَبِّكُمْ وَيُنْذِرُونَكُمْ لِقَاءَ يَوْمِكُمْ هَذَا And when they arrive there and its gates are opened, its custodians will say to them, Did messengers from yourselves not come to you, reciting your Lord's signs, including the Qur'an and other things, to you, and warning you of the meeting on this day of yours? قَالُوا بَلَى وَلَكِنْ حَقَّتْ كَلِمَةُ الْعَذَابِ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ 
He will say, indeed, they did. But the decree of punishment is justly carried out against the unbelievers. In verse 71, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَسِيقَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَى جَهَنَّمَ زُمَرًا Those who disbelieve will be driven to hell in Zumar. And the word Zumar means groups. Akhwaj, it means jama'at, it means groups, and it means in droves, and it means in companies. And that's why the Prophet said, the first group to enter into Jannah will have faces that are illuminated like the full moon. And so the people as they enter into Jannah, enter into it in groups. Those who will come first as a group, meaning that they are equal in levels, they are equal in virtue and reward. And Allah knows best. They will be told, enter the gates of hell and stay there timelessly forever. How evil is Jahannam, the abode of the arrogant. And those who are fearful of their Lord will be driven gently to paradise in companies. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءُوهَا وَفُتِحَتْ أَبْوَابُهَا وَقَالَ لَهُمْ خَزَنَتُهَا سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ طِبْتُمْ فَدْخُلُوهَا خَالِدِينَ And when they arrive there, finding its gates open, its custodians will say to them, Peace be upon you, you have done well, so enter it timelessly forever. The greeting they are given is to honor them. When the unbelievers are driven to hell, the gates will be opened when they reach it, so that its heat is kept for them to humiliate them. In this verse, verse number 73, before we go into that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the people of Jannah, Peace be upon you, you have done well. Peace be upon you, طبتم. The, the translator said, you have done well. Tibtum means that you are pure. You are good. And it is because of your purity and your goodness, meaning your tawheed and your belief in Allah, that you entered into Jannah. Tibtum doesn't mean that you've done well. It means you've done well, but not, that's not the primary meaning. The primary meaning is, it is because of your purity of Iman. And it is because of the goodness of your actions and your righteousness that you enter into Jannah, as mentioned by Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala. The author, rahimahullah ta'ala, at the end of verse 73, he gives a, uh, a point that is mentioned by some of the scholars of Tafsir and from the other scholars who mentioned this before Al-Mahalli was Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala. And as I mentioned yesterday, Ibn Qayyim often mentions these very beautiful points of eloquence. And that is the difference between the two verses, verse 71 and verse 73 in the wow. When the people of Jahannam go to Jahannam, hatta idha ja'uha, Futihat abwabuha. Those people who go and are driven towards our fire, the doors are open upon them. The gates are open upon them. But for the people of Jannah, hatta ida ja'uha wa futihat abwabuha. As for the people of Jannah, when they go into Jannah, and the gates are open for them. And the wow is added for them. What is, why the difference between the two? What is the wow signifying? They say, those scholars, that the people of Jahannam, for them, when they come into Jahannam, or the, when they are driven towards Jahannam, its gates will be locked and closed upon them. Because when gates are opened, it is a sign of welcome. For the people of Jahannam, there is no welcome. And they will come there and it will be darkness and they will hear within or beyond those gates the sound and the roaring of the fire of hell. And it will only increase them in their terror, increase them in their fear. And then the gates will be opened upon them immediately and they will be thrown in. So there is no aspect of them from afar 
even having the ability to see and anticipate what is contained therein. Because even anticipation is some form of relief in the sense that you can maybe try to prepare yourself, try to mentally prepare yourself, even that they don't have. As for the people of Jannah, then as we know the gates will be open because the first person to come in the hadith of Sahih Muslim of Allah is our Prophet He will be the first to knock on the gates of Jannah and he will be asked by its guardians, who is it? And he will say Muhammad and they will say we were ordered and commanded not to open for anyone before you. So he will have it open. But once it is open, it will remain open. So when the believers come, they find the gates open. I welcome for them. And that's why Allah Azza wa says, وَفُتِحَتْ and, and its gates, meaning they were already open. And so it will be a welcome for them. With that the gates are open, just as, uh, as we understand if you were to go to someone's house, it is a sign of welcome, the gates are open. And it is a sign of them being uh, welcomed into their abode. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي صَدَقَنَا وَعْدَهُ وَأَوْغَثَنَا الْأَرْضَ نَتَبَوَّأُ مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ حَيْثُ نَشَاءُ They will say, praise be to Allah who has fulfilled his promise, meaning paradise, to us, and made us the inheritors of this land in paradise, letting us settle in paradise wherever we want. No part rather than another is chosen in it. فَنِعْمَ أَجْرُ الْعَامِلِينَ How excellent is the wage of those who work, which is the garden. وَتَرَى الْمَلَائِكَةَ حَافِّينَ مِنْ حَوْلِ الْعَرْشِ يُسَبِّحُونَ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّهِمْ You will see the angels circling around the throne on all sides, glorifying their Lord with praise, saying, Glory be to Allah and with His praise. وَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ It will be decided between them, meaning all creatures with truth and justice. And the believers will enter the garden and the unbelievers will enter the fire. وَقِيلَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ And it will be said, Praise be to Allah, the Lord of all the worlds, both groups and with the affirmation of praise spoken by the angels. Surah Ghafir for Al-Mu'min, the giving or the believer. This surah is Meccan except for ayat 56 and 57, which are Medinan. It has 85 ayat and was set down after Azumah. So this is the 40th surah of the Qur'an and that is Surah Ghafir. And it is a Makki surah according to the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, as mentioned by Ibn Kathir ta'ala, and the majority of them, but some of them made an exception of some of the verses, such as Qatada rahimahullahu ta'ala. It has 85 verses, and its well known name is Surah Ghafir, or from its well known names is Surah Ghafir, and that is taken from the beginning of the surah in which Allah will say, Ghafir dhambi, the one who forgives all sins. And another of its names is Suratul Mu'min, as you can see here. And those are mentioned also in the early books of Hadith and Tafsir, Al-Bukhari in his Sahih, Al-Tirmidhi in his, in his Jami', Ibn Hazm in his works, and others refer to this Surah, Surah Mu'min. And the author, Ta'ala himself, in a previous uh, Surah, when he said that this Surah is revealed after, he said it is revealed after Surah Mu'min. And I don't think I, I mentioned it at that point, but that's what he was referring to when he said that that surah is revealed after surah Mu'min. He meant after this surah, surah Ghafir. So that is also from its well-known names. And the reason for it being called Mu'min is because Allah Azza wa Jal in the story of Musa alayhi salam in this surah alone will speak about the believer from the household and the people of Pharaoh. And so because of that Mu'min, that believer, and his story is unique 
in this surah in terms of the rest of the stories of Musa or the rest of the tellings of the story of Musa in the Quran it is for that reason that some of them mention that and from its names by which it is also known is Surah At-Tawl Surah At-Tawl as mentioned by Imam Al-Shatibi Rahimahullah Ta'ala the Imam Al-Qiraat and mentioned by Al-Shawkani and others and that comes also from the third verse when Allah Azza wa says when Allah says Dhit-Tawl Shadeed Al-Iqabi Dhit-Tawl and so some of the scholars call it Surah At-Tawl and so those are some of the names that are mentioned in its books but its most common name now is Surah Ghafir and in some mushafs it is still referred to as Surah Mu'min Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Hameen Allah knows best what is meant by this Tanzeelul kitabi minallahi al-aziz al-alim the revelation of the book, meaning the Qur'an, is from Allah, the Almighty, the All-Knowing. غَافِنِ الذَّنْبِ وَقَابِنِ التَّوْبِ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ The forgiver of wrong action, committed by believers, the acceptor of their repentance, the severe in retribution for the unbelievers, the possessor of abundance. In other words, ample blessings. He is always described by these attributes. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ إِلَيْهِ There is no God but Him. He is the final destination and place of return. In verse number 3, Allah says, غَافِلِ الذَّنْبِ وَقَابِلِ التَّوْلِ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ الطول. The meaning of the word the طول is that he is the one who possesses everything in abundance. As Imam Al-Tabari mentioned. Uh, in this verse, Allah when he speaks about the attributes of forgiveness, he adds between them a wow. And then in the attributes of retribution, Allah doesn't add a wow. غَافِلِ الذَّنْبِ وَقَابِلِ التَّوْلِ And then شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ الطَّوْلِ And Ibn Qayyim Taala mentions that one of the reasons for that Allah knows best is because the wow between غَافِلِ الذَّنْبِ وَقَابِلِ التَّوْلِ is to show that there is a difference between the two. There is a difference between the two. Between the act of seeking forgiveness and between the act of Accepting repentance. And so Allah Azza wa differentiates between the two. And that is that Allah's repentance comes as a result of being so of, of someone seeking forgiveness from him. So they are not the same. They are two separate things. And so Allah Azza wa waits for us to seek forgiveness from him. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts that forgiveness and he showers his repentance upon us. And so because of that difference, Allah Azza wa separates the two between well. Otherwise it could be understood that they are one. And the same thing, and Allah Azza wa knows best. ما يجادل في آيات الله إلا الذين كفروا. No one disputes Allah's signs in the Quran except those who disbelieve. فلا يغرك تقلبهم في البلاد. Do not let their free movement about the earth deceive you. Do not let the fact that they will have ample livelihood and are healthy deceive you. The final end will be the fire. كذبت قبلهم قوم نوح والأحزاب من بعدهم. The people of Nuh denied the truth before them, and the confederates after them, peoples such as Ad, Thamud, and others. وهمت كل أمة برسولهم ليأخذوا وجادلوا بالباطل ليدحضوا به الحق. Every nation planned to seize its messenger and kill him, and used false arguments to rebut the truth and deny it. So I seized them with the punishment, and how was my retribution against them? 
وكذلك حقت كلمة ربك على الذين كفروا أنهم أصحاب النار. So your Lord's words about those who disbelieved proved true. I will feel how fire. That they are indeed the companions of the fire. الذين يحملون العرش ومن حوله يسبحون بحمد ربهم ويؤمنون به. Those who bear the throne and all those around it glorify their Lord with praise by saying, Glory be to Allah and with his praise, and believe in him with their inner sight. In other words, they affirm his unity. And ask forgiveness for those who believe. They say, Our Lord, you encompass everything in your mercy and knowledge. Forgive those who turn to you, repenting of their shirk, and who follow your way of Islam and safeguard them from the punishment of the blazing fire. رَبَّنَا وَأَدْخِلْهُمْ جَنَّاتِ عَدْنِينِ الَّتِي وَعَدْتَهُمْ وَمَنْ صَلَحَ مِنْ آبَائِهِمْ وَأَزْوَاجِهِمْ وَذُرِّيَاتِهِمْ Our Lord, admit them to the gardens of Eden. You have promised them. And all of their parents, wives and children who acted rightly. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Truly, you are the Almighty, the All-Wise in what you do. In verses 7 and 8, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these du'as which are beautiful du'as that the angels make for the believers. And we know that from the roles that Allah has assigned to the angels is that they make du'a for the believers. And they send salat and salutations upon the believers. And that's mentioned in numerous hadith of the Prophet wasallam. And from them is that they make du'a for the people who come and take the first row in the salat. From them is that they make dua for those who stand on the right side of the road, they fit up the right before the left, and so on. There are numerous hadith, and from them is that when the Imam says, and he says, Ameen, then the Malaika say, Ameen. Whoever's Ameen coincides with the Ameen, they will have their sins forgiven. So they have a number of roles. From them is this dua that the angels make for the believers. In verse number 8, they uh, and from the benefits of that is the importance of making dua for those people that are not present with you. The scholars said that this shows from the virtues of making dua is dua for making is the virtue of making dua for people who are absent because the angels make this dua and the believers are not aware of it and they don't know and they're not there and they're not present. And as we know, the Prophet said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, whoever makes a dua for someone in their absence, the angels say, Ameen wa mithla." Ameen, and may you have the same. And that's why some of the scholars used to say that if I want something from Allah, I make dua for someone else who needs the same thing. And that is a beautiful meaning. To make dua for someone who needs something similar, because Allah Azza wa not only fulfills their need, but by the Ameen of the angels, He fulfills your need as well. The, this dua in verse number 8 also then goes to show a point that we have stressed a number of times in this tafsir. And that is that when the angels make dua, for the believers and for their relatives, they don't restrict it to a single generation. Rather, they say, وَمَنْ صَلَحَ مِنْ آبَائِهِمْ And whosoever was righteous from their forefathers, not just their parents. Aba is a plural, meaning for many generations. وَأَزْوَاجِهِمْ And their spouses. وَذُرِّيَّاتِهِمْ And their descendants. And so parents often we think of just as the first generation, children as just one generation down. But the word aba and durriya is a far more eloquent use of the term of uh, ancestors and descendants. And that is what they make dua for. And that is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
but also from the great treasure that Allah Azza wa Jal has in terms of His bounty and His grace. And safeguard them from punishment for the evil acts on the day of rising. Those who safeguard from evil acts are truly the recipients of your mercy on that day. That is a mighty victory. In verse number 9, Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala mentions that they ask for refuge and protection from sins. Oh Allah, keep them away from sins. And they don't ask for refuge from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the punishment of Allah comes as a result of the sin. And that is also from the etiquettes of dua. That when you make and ask Allah Azza to preserve you from his punishment and to safeguard you, you make dua also that Allah keeps you away from sin. That Allah keeps you away from the result or the action that will bring about that punishment. And so when they make dua for the believers, they don't say, Oh Allah, save them from your punishment. They say, save them from evil sins. Keep them away from evil sins. Those who disbelieved will be addressed by the angels. They will hate themselves when they enter the fire. But Allah's hatred of you when you were called to believe, but then chose unbelief in the world is even greater than your hatred of yourselves. Meaning, as Imam al-Tabari said, that on the day of judgment, when the people of the fire will see the fire, they will hate themselves for having led themselves to that situation that they will be punished in the fire. Allah says, Allah's hatred for you when you rejected Iman is far greater than the hatred that you have for yourselves as you enter into the fire. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, As we mentioned yesterday, Allah is not pleased with disbelief for His servants. They would say, Our Lord, twice you caused us to die, and twice you gave us life. They were dead sperm, and then were brought to life. Then they were made to die, and then brought to life after the resurrection. We admit our wrong actions in denying the resurrection. Is there no way out of the fire and no way to return to the world so that we may obey our Lord? The answer is no. In verse number 11, this is the position of the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir. As Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqeet mentioned, that the two lives and the two deaths that Allah is referring to is as al-Mahalli mentioned. The first one is the death of not being in existence. And then Allah brought us into existence. And then Allah Azza caused us to die again in this world. And that is the second death. And then the second living or resurrection is the resurrection of Yom Al-Qiyamah. That punishment which you are suffering is because when Allah alone is called upon in the world, you disbelieve in His unity. But if others are associated with him as partners, you believe in idolatry. Judgment in punishing you belongs to Allah, the All High over His creation, the All Great. It is He who shows you His signs, meaning evidence of His unity, and sends down provision, meaning rain, to you out of heaven. But none pay heed and are warned, save those who repent and turn from shirk. 
فَدَعُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْكَافِرُونَ So call upon Allah and worship Him, making your deen sincerely His, free of any shirk, even though the unbelievers detest it, meaning hate your sincere devotion to the deen. رَفِيعُ الدَّرَجَاتِ ذُو الْعَرْشِ He is the raiser of ranks. This may mean that Allah has immense attributes, or that He is the one who elevates the ranks of the believers in the garden, the possessor of the throne. In other words, its creator. يُلْقِ الرُّوحَ مِنْ أَمْرِهِ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ لِيُنْذِرَ يَوْمَ التَّلَاقَ He sends the spirit, meaning revelation, revelation, by his command to whichever of his slaves he wills, so that he may warn mankind about the day of meeting, read as التلاق and التلاقي That is the day when the people of heaven and people of earth meet as well as the worshipper and the worshipped, the wronger and the wronged. In verse number 15, Allah Azza wa says, he sends the spirit by his command to whomsoever, whichever of his slaves he will, so that he may warn about the day of meeting. And the scholars differ as to who is doing the warning. Is it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is it the angel that is being sent? Because from the meanings of a ruh, it's not just revelation, but also the angel, Jibreel alayhi salam. Or is it the Prophet of Allah to whom the angel is sent? And all of them are very similar in meaning. Yawm al-Talaq, the day of meeting, is from the names of Yawm al-Qiyamah. And one of the uh, things that we find in the Qur'an is that Allah Azza wa has given the day of judgment many names, multiple names. And in Arabic, to denote importance, they give what is important, multiple names. And that is why Allah Azza wa has many names. And the Qur'an is known by many names. And the Prophet Wasallam is known by many names. And Yawm al-Qiyamah is known by many names. And from those names is Yawm Talaq, the day of meeting, when the people will meet with one another and when they will meet their Lord. The day when they will issue forth from their graves and when not one thing about them will be hidden from Allah. To whom does the kingdom belong today? Allah answers his own question. To Allah, the one, the conqueror. Every self will be repaid today for what it earned. Today, there will be no injustice. Allah is swift at reckoning. He will reckon all creation in half a day, measuring by the days of this world, as stated in hadith. وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْآزِفَةِ And warn them of the day of immediacy, another name for the day of rising. The word for immediacy, azifa, is taken from the verb azifa, used for when a traveller approaches his destination. بِذِي الْقُلُوبُ لَدَى الْحَنَاجِرِ كَاظِمِينَ When hearts rise because of fear, choking to the throat, filling the throats out of anxiety. مَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ حَمِيمٍ وَلَا the wrongdoers will have no close friends nor any intercessor who might be heard. They will have no intercessor whose intercession will be accepted. There is sense in the description since they have no intercessors at all. As Allah says, now we have no one to intercede for us. So this is based on their claim to have intercessors, meaning that even if someone were to intercede, it would not be accepted. In verse number 18, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْآزِفَةِ إِذِ الْقُلُوبُ لَدَى الْحَنَاجِرِ كَاظِمِينَ And warn them of the day of immediacy. And as the author ta'ala mentions, it is one of the names of the Day of Judgment. And Azaf or Azifa is something which is extremely close. And so that is one of the names of the Day of Judgment, that it is a day that is extremely close. When you see the disbelievers choking 
their hearts rising to their throats and them choking on their hearts. And the scholars have two positions in terms of the tafsir. The first one is the one that Al-Hali ta'ala, seems to mention and that is that it is metaphorical. That it is an expression to show that extreme anxiety and fear. It is as if they are choking upon their own hearts. Meaning it is an internal show of their extreme anxiety and fear. And the second position and the one that seems to have been chosen by the likes of Imam Al-Tabari and Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shafiti and others is that it is literal. That literally their hearts will come up into their throats and they will choke. Neither will they be allowed or neither will they be able to take their heart or bring their heart, swallow it down so it goes back to where it's meant to be. Nor will their heart leave their throat or will they choke and die so that death comes to them. And that is from the punishments that Allah Azza wa Jal will place upon them and Allah knows best. يَعْلَمُ خَائِنَةَ الْأَعْيُنِ He, meaning Allah, knows the eyes to see it. Meaning stolen glances at the unlawful. وَمَا تُخْفِي الصُّدُورِ And what people's breasts conceal. What is hidden inside their hearts. وَاللَّهُ يَقْضِي بِالْحَقَّ Allah will judge with truth. وَالَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ لَا يَقْضُونَ بِشَيْءٍ And those they, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, call upon, read as, يَدْعُونَ and تَدْعُونَ You call upon and worship apart from Him, meaning the idols, will not judge with anything at all. So how can they attribute partners to Allah? إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ It is Allah who is the all-hearing of their words, the all-seeing of what they do. أَوَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ had they not travelled in the earth and seen the final fate of those before them? They were greater than them, read as minhum and also as minkum, greater than you, in strength and left far deepest traces on the earth, a reference to buildings and castles. Yet Allah seized them and destroyed them for their wrong actions, and they had no one to protect them from the punishment of Allah. That was because their messengers brought them the clear signs, meaning miracles, but they remained unbelievers. So Allah seized them. He is most strong, severe in retribution. We sent Musa with our signs and clear authority, manifest proof. To Pharaoh, Haman, and Qawmun. That they said, a lying magician. In these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 23 onwards will go into the story of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam again. And this is another extensive telling of that story. As we've had previous examples before Surah Araf and Surah Taha and elsewhere in the Quran. This is another example in Surah Ghafir. And this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention some of the discourse that takes place alongside that of Musa and Pharaoh with another individual as we will come shortly to see and that is the believer from the household of Pharaoh. In verse 24, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we sent them to to Fir'aun and Haman and Qarun. Pharaoh is the leader, the king. Haman is his top minister. And Qarun is the wealthiest person from amongst them. These are the elite of their society. And that is why Allah mentions them by way of example. Not that he was only sent to them. 
but by way of example because they uh, they are um, examples of and representations of the society when he brought them the truth from us, they said, Slaughter the sons of those who believe with him, but let their women live. The stratagems of the unbelievers are nothing but errors and come to nothing. In verse 25, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When he brought them the truth from us, they said, Slaughter their sons and let their women folk live. We already covered before, and Allah Azza wa has mentioned a number of times that from the greatest torture and oppression that Pharaoh committed against Bani Israel is that he commanded that they should be killed, their male children, and let their women folk live. But the difference here now is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seems to say, When Musa came with the truth, and Musa alayhi doesn't come with the truth at the beginning when he's a child and he's a baby, but as we mentioned in Surah Qasas and elsewhere, Musa salam comes with the truth when? Many years later, after he leaves and he goes to Madian and he settles there for 10 years and then he comes back as a prophet, that's when he brings the truth. So it's as if Allah is saying then when he brings the truth, Pharaoh says, kill their children, kill their sons and let their women folk live. And the position of some of the scholars such as Ibn Kathir ta'ala, is that this is therefore a second command from Pharaoh. Different to the first one. The first one is at the time of the birth of Musa salam, and that's done because he fears his destruction. This is now a second repetition of the same thing. He's reinforcing that. Do it again. Kill them again. And that is because he did it, as some of the scholars say, so that Bani Israel would turn against their Prophet Musa salam. That when these people came, this man who they think is their saviour, their prophet of Allah that they've been waiting for, that will save them from Pharaoh and lead them away to the promised land, they would turn against them. Because now that he comes, he starts the same practice again. And that is the position, as I said, of Ibn Kathir and others. And that's why Allah Azza wa mentions that from what Bani Israel said to Musa salam, is that we were punished before you came and we were punished after you came. You didn't bring us any good. We were always in difficulty, irrespective of whether you were there or not. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Pharaoh said, let me kill Musa, indicating that his people were trying to restrain him from doing so, and let him call upon his Lord to defend him from me. I am afraid that he may change your deen and stop you from worshipping me if you follow him and bring about, read as and yadhara, corruption in the land such as killing and other things Musa said, I seek refuge in my Lord and your Lord from every proud man who does not believe in the day of reckoning. A man among Pharaoh's people who had faith, said to be his cousin, but kept his faith concealed, said, Are you going to kill a man for saying, My Lord is Allah, when he has brought you clear signs, meaning miracles from your Lord? 
If he's telling a lie, be it on his own, on his own head. Meaning the harm of his lie will come back on him. But if he's telling the truth, then some of what he is promising you in terms of punishment will certainly happen to you. Allah does not guide any unbridled, inveterate, idolatrous liar. In verse 28, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now mentions the story of this man. A believing man from amongst the people of Pharaoh said, and the scholars differ greatly as to who this man was. And as the author ta'ala mentions, one of those opinions is that he is his cousin, meaning the cousin of Pharaoh, not the cousin of Musa, but the cousin of Pharaoh. He was related to him, Ibn Am, his first cousin. That's one position. Another said he was just a general man from the nobility of, of Pharaoh's people and so on. And there are different opinions, but we have no authentic hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi From those opinions is that he's the one who in Surah Al-Qasas when Musa salam accidentally kills that man, he's the one who comes and says to him, Pharaoh and his armies are looking for you, so leave. And he advises him to leave and escape. That's a position, and I think we mentioned that in Surah Al-Qasas as well. The point is that Allah Azzawajal knows best who he is, but he is a believer from the household of Pharaoh. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma said, only two people from the people of Pharaoh believed in Musa salam, The wife of Pharaoh, Asiya, and this man, the believer of Pharaoh. The believer from the household and the people of Pharaoh. Only two of them believed from the people of Pharaoh. Not from Bani Israel, but from the Copts, the Qibtiyin, who were from the people of Pharaoh. The Scholars that differ as to the magicians, were they from the people of Pharaoh or not? And many of them said no. They went exclusively from, meaning from his race. Because he gathers them from the distant lands of his empire and brings them together because of their proficiency in magic. And Allah Azza wa knows best. The believer of Pharaoh says, Will you kill a man simply because he says that I wish to worship Allah alone? And this is also mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari on the day that the Prophet ﷺ was being tortured and beaten by the Quraysh that Abu Bakr came and defended him and said, How do you kill a man ataqtuluna rajulan? In yaqula rabbi Allah. Why do you beat a man and kill a man and fight him? One who says that I only wish, wish, wish to worship Allah alone. And so they turned upon Abu Bakr and began to beat him as well. يَا قَوْمِ لَكُمُ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمَ ظَاهِرِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ My people, the kingdom is yours today as masters in the land, meaning you have control of the land of Egypt. فَمَنْ يَنْصُرُنَا مِنْ بَأْسِ اللَّهِ إِنْ جَاءَنَا But who will help us against Allah's violent force and inevitable punishment if we kill his friends, if it comes upon us, meaning we will have no helper. قَالَ فِرْعَوْنَا أُلِيكُمْ إِلَّا مَا أَرَى Pharaoh said, I only show you what I see myself. I only direct you to that to which I direct myself. In other words, the killing of Musa. And I only guide you to the path of rectitude, meaning the correct way. And this is from the beautiful ways of giving da'wah. Da'wah that comes from a person that people trust and people respect. And so sometimes when the da'wah comes from an individual that people know and respect, it has a greater impact upon them. And that is why when the Prophet ﷺ would go and speak to the different Arab tribes as they would come for the Hajj, he would often take with him Abu Bakr because Abu Bakr is known as someone who is a prosperous merchant and businessman. And the various Arab tribes knew him and knew of him. 
And that is why even in the Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr come across a man who says to Abu Bakr, who is this man with you? They knew Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, but they didn't know the Prophet ﷺ. And that is because Abu Bakr radiallahu anh has a reputation as a successful businessman. And the Prophet ﷺ would take with him Al-Abbas, his uncle radiallahu anh, because Abbas has his position in Quraysh in terms of leadership and in terms of his position, even though at that time of the Hijrah, he's not a Muslim, doesn't, he's yet to accept Islam, but because of his position. And so the Prophet ﷺ takes them because with them he increases and the reassurance of those people that this is someone that they should listen to and should respect him. Allah knows best. وَقَالَ الَّذِي آمَنَ يَا قَوْمِ إِنِّي أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ مِثْلَ يَوْمِ الْأَحْزَابِ The man who had faith said, My people, I fear for you a day like that of the Confederates. مِثْلَ دَأْبِ قَوْمِ نُوحٍ وَعَادٍ وَثَمُودَ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ The same has happened to the people of Nuh and Ad and Thamud and those who followed after them. In other words, the same repayment and punishment as that meted out to those who disbelieved before you in this world. Allah does not want any injustice for his slaves. My people, I fear for you the day of calling out, read as Tanad and Tanadi, another name used for the day of rising, because the people of the garden will call to the people of the fire and vice versa. The people of the garden will call out about their happiness and the people of the fire about their wretchedness and other things. يَوْمَ تُوَلُّونَ مُدْبِرِينَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ عَاصِمٍ The day when you will turn your backs in flight from the place of reckoning towards the fire having no one to protect you from the punishment of Allah وَمَنْ يُضْلِلِ اللَّهُ فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ هَادِ Whoever Allah misguides will have no guide In verse number 32, the alternate reading we have يَوْمُ التَّنَاد which is the day of calling the alternate reading is with the يَا تَنَادِي and that is a shath qira'ah, it is a peculiar reading. It is not one of the reading of the ten. The one with the ya at the end. Tanad is the one that the ten read with. Tanadi is shath. In verse number 33, Allah Azza wa says, يَوْمَ تُوَلُّونَ مُدْبِرِينَ The day when you will turn your backs in flight, meaning from the place of reckoning towards the fire. Meaning that they will try to escape from the fire. They will try and attempt to run away from the fire. And others from amongst the scholars said, that it will be when they first emerge from their graves. And because of the terror of that day, that we will know it will be extremely terrifying for them, then they will run and flee from one place to another, not knowing where to go and not knowing where there is any escape from them, for them. Yusuf brought you the clear signs, meaning miracles before. A reference to Yusuf, the son of Yaqub, because according to one view, he lived until the time of Musa. Or to Yusuf, son of Ibrahim, son of Yusuf, son of Yaqub, according to another view. فَمَا زِلْتُمْ فِي شَكٍ مِّمَّا جَاءَكُمْ بِهِ That you never stop doubting what he brought to you. حَتَّى إِذَا هَلَكَ قُلْتُمْ لَنْ يَبْعَثَ اللَّهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ رَسُولًا to the extent that when he died, you said, without any proof, Allah will never send another, another messenger after him. So they continue to reject Yusuf and others. That is how Allah misguides those who are unbridled and idolaters and full of doubt about the signs which you had witnessed. In verse 34, Allah mentions the Prophet Yusuf in the midst of the story of Musa and the scholars. Try to determine the reason why. What is the 
relation between these two prophets? Why mention the story of Yusuf alayhi salam or the name of Yusuf alayhi salam from one of the other prophets in relation to the story of Musa alayhi salam? And the positions that are mentioned uh, really by Al-Mahalli rahimahullah are weak positions. That Yusuf lived all the way to the time of Musa alayhi salam is an extremely far-fetched position. What seems more likely and Allah Azza knows best is because Yusuf salam is the first prophet to bring Bani Israel to Egypt. It is because of him that Bani Israel come to Egypt. And he was sent to the people of Egypt as a prophet and a messenger. And so therefore, that is the reason why he is mentioned. Because he is the first of the prophets that Allah sent to these people. Meaning the people of Pharaoh. And it is because of him that Bani Israel end up in Egypt. And Allah knows best. And this verse is used by some of the scholars to show that Yusuf was a messenger of Allah. And not only a prophet. Because he's sent to a group of people that he calls to Allah that didn't have a prophet before. As we mentioned in the difference, in the definition between a prophet and a messenger of Allah. And that's why, حَتَّى إِذَا هَلَكَ قُلْتُمْ اللَّهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ And then after he died, he said that Allah will never send another messenger again. And so a number of scholars hold the position based on this verse that Yusuf was a messenger of Allah and Allah knows best. الذين يجادلون في آيات الله بغير سلطان أتاهم كبر مقتا عند الله وعند الذين آمنوا Those who argue about the signs of Allah, meaning miracles, without any authority or proof coming to them, do something hateful in the sight of Allah and in the sight of the people who believe. كذلك يطبع الله على كل قلب متكبر جبار that, meaning misguidance, is how Allah seals up the heart of every arrogant oppressor through their misguidance. When the heart of a person is arrogant, then the person himself is arrogant. Misguidance permeates the entire heart. Pharaoh said, Haman, build me a high tower so that perhaps I may gain means of access. And in verse number 36, Asbab, as we said yesterday, is the path towards heaven that will lead us to heaven. And so means of access is a better translation than the one that the translator used yesterday in what we were reading and he called it ropes to heaven or something ropes of heaven. This is a far better translation. It means how will I get to heaven? What are the means, the paths that will lead me to heaven so that I can go and look upon this God that Musa is claiming? أسباب السماوات فأطلع إلى إله موسى وإني لأظنه كاذبا Access to the heavens so that I can reach the heavens and look on Musa's God Truly I think he, meaning Musa, is a liar in saying that he has a God other than me Pharaoh said that out of distortion of what had been said وكذلك زين لفرعون سوء عمله وصد عن السبيل that is how Pharaoh's evil actions were made attractive to him, and he was debarred. Read as Sudda and also Sudda, meaning he debarred others from the path of guidance. Pharaoh's scheming led to nothing but ruin and loss. The man who believed said, My people, follow me, and I will guide you to the path of rectitude. يَا قَوْمِ إِنَّمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا مَتَاعٌ My people, the life of this world is only fleeting enjoyment, which will soon pass. وَإِنَّ الْآخِرَةَ هِيَ دَارُ الْقَرَارِ It is the next world, which is the abode of permanence. 
من عمل فلا يجزى إلا مثلها. Whoever does an evil act will only be repaid with its equivalent. ومن عمل صالحا من ذكر أو أنثى وهو مؤمن فأولئك يدخلون الجنة يرزقون فيها بغير حساب. But whoever acts rightly, male or female, being a believer, such a person will enter, read as يدخلون and يدخلون the garden. Provided for in it without any reckoning. In verse 40, it is Yudhaluna with a A, the alternative reading, not Yudhiluna, Yudhaluna. Waya Kaumi Mali Adrukum Ilan Najati Watadarunani Ilan. My people, how is it that I call you to salvation while you call me to the fire? Tadarunani Akfura Billahi Wa Ushrika Bihi Mali Sani Bihi Ilan. You call me to reject Allah and to associate something with him about which I have no knowledge. While I call you to the Almighty who has power over all things, the endlessly forgiving of those who repent. There is no question that what you call me to worship has no foundation and cannot respond to prayer either in this world or the next world. وَأَنَّمَا رَدَّنَا إِلَى اللَّهِ That's our return is to Allah. وَأَنَّ الْمُسْرِفِينَ هُمْ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ And that the profligate, meaning the unbelievers, will be companions in the fire. فَسَتَذْكُرُونَ مَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ You will remember what I am telling you when you see the punishment. وَأُفَوِّضُ أَمْرِي إِلَى اللَّهِ I consign my destiny completely to Allah. إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَصِيرٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Truly Allah sees his slaves. He said that when they threatened him for opposing their religion. فَوَقَاهُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِ مَا مَكَرُوا So Allah safeguarded him from the evil things they plotted when they plotted to kill him. وَحَاقَ بِآلِ فِرْعَوْنَ سُمُوءُ الْعَذَابِ And a most evil torment engulfed Pharaoh and Pharaoh's people. In other words, drowning and then the fire, morning and night, to which they are exposed and in which they are burned. And on the day the hour takes place, meaning resurrection day, when they hear the words, admit, read as adakhilu and adakhulu, Pharaoh's people to the harshest punishment of hell. This is a command to the angels. In verse 46, the alternative reading, the reading that we have is Adkhilu. The other one is without the Adif or Hamzatul Qat. That's what it means. Tudkhulu, that you just journey around without the Alif at the beginning. This uh, verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the people of Pharaoh see the fire every morning and evening as a punishment for them. And for Generally, it is established in the Sunnah that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes the soul to go back into the grave after it rises to the heavens for the believer, it is admitted, and for the disbeliever, it is barred. And both of them are then sent down to back to the grave. And the angels question them, and the believer is able to answer, and the disbeliever is unable to answer. For the believer, a gate from the gates of Jannah is open into them so that they can see their abode. And that is when they will say, Oh Allah, aqim is let the hour be established. And the disbeliever for them, the gate of a fire will be opened upon them so they can see the abode that is waiting for them. And they will say, Ya Rabbi, la sa'a. Oh my Lord, don't establish the hour. And Allah knows best. 
وإذ يتحاجون في النار فيقول الضعفاء للذين استكبروا إنا كنا لكم تبعا إنا كنا لكم تبعا فهل أنتم مغنون عنا نصيبا من النار Remember when they, meaning the unbelievers, are squabbling with one another in the fire. The weak will say to those deemed great, We were your followers, so why do you not relieve us of a portion of the fire? Those deemed great will say, All of us are in it. Allah has clearly judged between his slaves. Then the believers will enter the garden and the unbelievers will enter the fire. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ فِي النَّارِ لِخَزَنَةِ جَهَنَّمَ دَعُوا رَبَّكُمْ يُخَفِّفْ عَنَّا يَوْمًا مِّنَ الْعَذَابِ Those in the fire will say to the custodians of hell, Call on your Lord to make the punishment less for us, for just the length of one day. قَالُوا أَوَلَمْ تَكُوا تَأْتِيكُمْ أُسُلُكُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ They, meaning the custodians, will ask in mockery, Did your messengers not bring you the clear signs, meaning miracles? قَالُوا بَلَى they will answer, yes, but they rejected them. They will say, then you call. We will not intercede for the unbelievers. Allah says, But the calling of the unbelievers only goes astray. It is useless. We will certainly help our messengers and those who believe both in the life of this world and on the day the witnesses appear. These are angels who testify that the messengers conveyed the message and the unbelievers rejected it. The day when the excuses of the wrongdoers will not help them. Read as yanfa'u and tanfa'u if they make excuses. The curse, meaning a great gulf between them and mercy, will be on them, and they will have the most evil home, the worst possible punishment in the next world. We gave Musa the guidance in the form of the Torah and miracles, and bequeathed the book, meaning the Torah, to the tribe of Israel after him. As guidance and a reminder for people of intelligence. So, Muhammad وسلم, remains steadfast. Allah's promise to help his friends is true, and it applies to you and those who follow you. Ask forgiveness for your wrong action and glorify your Lord with praise in the evening and the early morning. This refers to doing the prayer at these times. In verse 55, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاصْبِرْ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٍّ be patient and remain steadfast for Allah's promise is true. And then Allah speaks about forgiveness. Ibn Qayyim Taala has a very nice meaning here. And that is that what is the relationship between patience and forgiveness? He says because sins are like an army. If you let them, they will overrun you and overpower you. Because every time you sin, it leads to another sin. And one sin leads to another sin. And so they are like an army. Sins, if left unchecked, will overpower you and overrun you and conquer you. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you must be patient in withstanding sin. Meaning that you have to defend yourself against sin. And defense requires steadfastness and patience. And the way then 
that you deal with those sins, that you overcome them, that you overpower them, that you remove them, is by making a step far and turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking Allah Azza for his forgiveness. <coughs> إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُجَادِلُونَ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ سُلْطَانٍ أَتَاهُمْ إِنْ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ إِلَّا كِبْرٌ مَّاهُمْ بِبَالِغِينَ Certainly those who argue about the signs of Allah, meaning the Qur'an, without any authority, meaning evidence, having come to them, have nothing in their breast except for pride, taking the form of arrogance and desire to be above you, which they will never be able to vindicate. Therefore, seek refuge with Allah from the evil. He's the all-hearing of what they say, the all-seeing of their states. Then the following ayah was revealed about people who deny the resurrection. The original creation of the heavens and earth is far greater than the later creation of mankind. But most of mankind do not know it, and so they are like the blind. Those who do know it are like the seeing. The blind and the seeing are not the same. Nor are those who believe and do right actions the same as evildoers. What little heed you pay, read as and also meaning what little heed they pay. إِنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَآتِيَةٌ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ The hour is coming, there is no doubt about it, but most of mankind do not believe in it. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دَعُونِي أَسْتَجِبَ لَكُمْ Your Lord says, call on me and worship me, and I will answer you. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ those who are too proud to worship me will enter how abject, read as Sayyadakhuluna and Sayyudakhaluna. In verse number 60, the alternative reading is As Ismail read Sayyudakhaluna, Sayyudakhaluna Jahannam Adakhirin. And this is a verse like the verse that we mentioned in Surah Al Baqarah, which was in the midst of the verses of fasting, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us to make dua to Him and calls upon us to call upon Him subhanahu. And if we do so, Allah Azza wa Jal will respond. And that is why the Prophet said وسلم, in the hadith that is collected the Sunnah of Ibn Majah, on the authority of Nu'man ibn Bashir, عنهما, that the Prophet said, Dua is worship. And that is because it is one of the greatest forms of worship. And that is why, as we've seen throughout the Quran, one of the greatest acts of worship that Allah Azza wa relays from the stories of the prophets is their dua and from the stories of the righteous the dua that they make be that the people of the cave as they enter in the cave the family of Imran as his wife is making dua for her child or wherever else it may come in the Quran from the righteous and from the prophets of Allah the most common aspect of worship that is relayed from their lives is the duas that they make and that is to show the power of dua and its position within our religion الله الذي جعل لكم الليل لتسكنوا فيه والنهار مبصرا الله is he who appointed the night for you so that you might rest in it and the day for seeing إن الله لذو فضل على الناس ولكن أكثر الناس لا يشكون الله pours out his favor on mankind but most people do not show thanks and so they do not believe 
ذلكم الله ربكم خالق كل شيء that is Allah your lord the creator of all things لا اله الا هو فانا تؤفكون there is no god but him so how have you been perverted and turned from faith when the proof has been established كذلك يؤفك الذين كانوا بايات الله يجحدون that is how those who deny Allah's signs and miracles have been perverted الله الذي جعل لكم الارض قرارا والسماء بناء وصوركم فاحسن صوركم ورزقكم من الطيبات it is Allah who made the earth a stable home for you and the sky a dome like a ceiling and formed you giving you the best of forms and provided you with good and wholesome things ذلكم الله ربكم that is Allah your lord فتبارك الله رب العالمين Blessed be Allah, the Lord of all the worlds. In verse 64, Allah says, وَالسَّمَاءَ بِنَاءَ And He created the sky like a ceiling. The tafsir is a better translation than the translation that is given. وَالسَّمَاءَ بِنَاءَ Nor a dome, but that it is like a ceiling. And Allah knows best. هُوَ الْحَيُّ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ فَدْعُوهُ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينِ He is the living. There is no God but Him, so call on Him and worship Him, making your deen sincerely His, free of any shirk. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Praise be to Allah, the Lord of all the worlds. Qul inni nuhitu an a'budu al-lazina tad'awna min dunillahi lamma ja'ani al-bayyinatu min Rabbi wa umidtu an uslima li Rabbil Alameen Say, I have been forbidden to worship those you call upon besides Allah when the clear signs, meaning evidence of His unity, came to me from my Lord. And I have been commanded to submit to the Lord of all the worlds. It is he who created you from earth in the form of your father, Adam, then from a drop of sperm, then from a clot of blood, then he brings you out as infants, then makes you continue so you may achieve full strength, which is a period from 30 to 40 years old, then so you may become old men, read as Shuyukha and Shiyukha. Though some of you may die before that time, meaning before reaching maturity or old age. And he does that so that even if you live for a limited period of time, you may reach a predetermined age, and so that perhaps you may use your intellect and grasp the evidence of Allah's unity and therefore believe. It is he who gives life and causes to die. فَإِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ When he decides on something, meaning decides to bring it into existence, it happens immediately. And he just says to it, be, and it is. Read as, يَكُونُ and يَكُونَ It comes into existence after he wills it. أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ يُجَادِلُونَ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ أَنَّا يُصْرَفُونَ do you not see those who argue about Allah's signs, meaning the Qur'an? How have they been turned around from faith to unbelief? Those who deny the book, meaning the Qur'an, and that with which we sent our messengers regarding Tawheed and the resurrection. will certainly come to know the outcome of their denial. 
When they have shackles and chains around their necks and are dragged along the ground, the fact that there are fetters on their feet as well is also implied here. Into the boiling water and then are thrown into the fire and roasted in Jahannam. Then they will be asked in rebuke, Where are those idols besides Allah you associated with Him? And they will reply, They have forsaken us, disappeared, and left us, so we cannot see them. Or rather, we were not calling to anything at all before. They will deny their worship of the idols, then the idols will be brought, to, brought and Allah will say, You and what you worship besides Allah are fuel for how? That is how Allah misguides the unbelievers who deny. This will be said to them. That, meaning punishment, is because you exalted on the earth without any right to do so. Associating others with Allah and denying of the resurrection and strutted about with excessive joy in what you were doing. Enter the gates of hell, remaining in it timelessly forever. How evil is the abode of the arrogant. So be steadfast. Allah's promise of punishment is true. Whether we show you some of what we have promised them in terms of punishment during your lifetime or take you back to us before we punish them, they will in any case be returned to us and we will inflict the most severe punishment on them. We sent messengers before you. Some of them we have told you about and others we have not told you about. It is related that Allah sent 8,000 prophets, 4,000 from the tribe of Israel and 4,000 from others. وَمَا كَانَ لِرَسُولٍ أَنْ يَأْتِيَ بِآيَةٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ No messenger among them can bring a sign except with Allah's permission, because they are slaves with a master. فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ قُضِيَ بِالْحَقِّ وَخَسِرَ هُنَالِكَ الْمُبْطِلُونَ But when Allah's command, meaning the punishment which befalls the unbelievers, comes, the matter between the messengers and those who denied them will be decided with truth. And then, and there the liars will be lost. Then the judgment will appear and the liars will be in loss. In this verse, verse 78, Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَصَصْنَا عَلَيْكَ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ لَمْ نَقْصُصْ عَلَيْكَ We sent messengers before you. Some of them will relate to, them, to, to you their stories and some of them we did not. And the ones that, whose stories are mentioned are the ones that are mentioned in the Qur'an and they are well known. And the others, and I think this has come before in the tafsir, uh, the scholars differ as to those that have not been mentioned in the Quran, how many were they? And this is one opinion, but it is a weak opinion that Allah Azza wa sent four thousand to Bani Israel and four thousand to other than Bani Israel. And from the opinions is what is mentioned in a narration in which it is said that the Prophet said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Allah sent hundred and twenty four thousand prophets. And from them three hundred odd were the messengers. But even that hadith is a hadith that many scholars said is weak. And it is not an authentic narration. And so, on that, based on that opinion, therefore, Allah Azza wa knows best as to how many 
prophets they were in total. But Allah tells us in the Quran that He sent to every nation a prophet and a messenger calling them to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that there were prophets who would come with a great deal of followers on Yom Al-Qiyam and other prophets who would come with hardly any. And so Allah Azza wa knows best in terms of their exact number. It is Allah who has given you livestock. It is said that this refers only to camels here, but it is evident that the word includes cattle and sheep as well. Some for you to ride and some to eat. You gain various benefits from them, such as milk, their offspring, wool and fur. And on them you can obtain what your hearts desire by using them for transport. And on them, meaning on land and on ships, you are transported on the sea. He shows you his signs of his unity. So which of Allah's signs do you deny? This is to rebuke people. أَفَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Have they not travelled in the land and seen the final fate of those before them? كَانُوا أَكْثَرَ مِنْهُمْ وَأَشَدَّ قُوَّةً وَآثَارًا فِي الْأَرْضِ They were more numerous than them and greater in strength and left more and deeper traces on earth such as buildings and castles. فَمَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ But what they earned was of no use to them. فَلَمَّا جَاءَتْهُمْ رُسُلُهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ فَرِحُوا بِمَا عِنْدَهُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ وَحَاقَ بِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ When their messengers brought them the clear signs, meaning miracles, they, meaning the unbelievers, mockingly exalted in the knowledge they, meaning the messengers, had, and laughed at it in denial, and then were engulfed by the very things they mocked, meaning the punishment. فَلَمَّا رَأَوْا بَأْسَنَا قَالُوا آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَحْدَهُ وَكَفَرْنَا بِمَا كُنَّا بِهِ مُشْرِكِينَ When they saw our violent force, meaning severe punishment, they said, We believe in Allah alone and reject what we associated with Him. فَلَمْ يَكُوا يَنْفَعُهُمْ إِيمَانُهُمْ لَمَّا رَأَوْا بَأْسَنَا But when they saw our violent force, their belief was of no use to them. That is a pattern Allah has always followed with his slaves in past communities whose faith did not help them when the punishment arrived. Then and there the unbelievers were lost. Their loss will be clear to everyone. They were already lost in every moment before that. Surah Fussilat or Surah Al-Sajda Prostration or Made Plain This Surah is Meccan. It has 53 or 4 or 54 ayat and was sent down after Ghafir. So this is the 41st surah of the Quran, surah Fussilat. And it is a Mecca surah as the author mentions and that is by ijma' of the scholars of tafsir. And it has 54 verses uh, according to the Mus'haf and our reading of the Mus'haf. The uh, author mentions two names for it and it is known by these names. The first of them is Surah Fussilat, which is the name by which we know it. The second is Surah Sajda. Surah Sajda. And that is mentioned by Imam Tirmidhi in his Jami' and others that it is known as Surah Sajda. Or another name that is very similar to it that it is also referred to is Surah Hameen Sajda. 
So Surah Sajda or Surah Hamim As-Sajda As mentioned by Al-Bukhari and Al-Hakim Al-Ibn Al-Kathir and Ibn Atiyah and others Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Hamim Allah knows best what this means Tanzilun minarrahmanirrahim A revelation from the All-Merciful, the Most Merciful كِتَابٌ فُصِّلَتْ آيَاتُهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ A book whose verses have been demarcated and makes clear judgments, stories and warnings for people who know and understand it, meaning the Arabs, as an Arabic Qur'an. Bringing good news and giving warning. فَأَعْرَضَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ فَهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ But most of them have turned away and do not hear or accept. وَقَالُوا قُلُوبُنَا فِي أَكِنَّةٍ مِّمَّا تَدْعُونَا إِلَيْهِ وَفِي آذَانِنَا وَقُرْ They say to the Prophet وسلم, Our hearts are covered up against what you call us to and there is a heaviness in our ears وَمِن بَيْنِنَا وَبَيْنِكَ حِجَابٌ فَاعْمَلْ إِنَّنَا عَامِلُونَ There is a screen of disagreement about the deen between us and you So act by your deen, we are certainly acting by our deen قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ Say, I'm only a human being like yourselves. يُوحَى إِلَيَّ أَنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمْ إِلَهٌ وَاحِدٌ It is revealed to me that your God is one God. فَاسْتَفِيمُوا إِلَيْهِ وَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ So be straight with him by acting with faith and obedience and ask his forgiveness. وَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ Wow, meaning punishment to those who associate others with him. الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ Those who do not pay zakat and who deny the next world. In verse number 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ Those who do not pay zakat and who deny the next world. And the author, رحمه الله تعالى, without commenting on it, means that he takes most likely the position of Imam al-Tabari, رحمه الله تعالى, that he refers to the normal zakat, which is the zakat of wealth. And the other opinion, which is the one that is mentioned by some scholars, such as Ibn Qayyim, is that what it refers to is not the zakah of wealth, but the zakah of the soul. Because zakah means to purify. Zakah of wealth is to purify your wealth. Zakah of the soul is to purify your soul. And he says, because the context of the verses is that Allah Azzawajal is speaking about Tawheed. And usually when Allah Azzawajal speaks about zakah, it is always or usually most likely with salah. Or some type of actions that are being mentioned. But in this context, it is all about belief. And Allah then says, and they disbelieve in the hereafter. So therefore, He says, what is more likely to be the meaning, and Allah knows best, is that it is the zakah of the soul. There are those who do not purify their souls, and they deny the next world. And Allah knows best. <laughs> Those who believe and do right actions will have a wage which never fails or ceases. قُلْ أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَكْفُرُونَ بِالَّذِي خَلَقَ الْأَرْضَ فِي يَوْمَيْنِ وَتَجَعَلُونَ لَهُ أَنْدَادًا Say, do you reject him who created the earth in two days, said to be Sunday and Monday, and make others, meaning partners, equal to him? ذَلِكَ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ That is the Lord of all the worlds. He is the master of all the worlds, which means all that is other than Allah. It is plural because of the many varieties in it. This statement of the scholar, of the author Taala, the two days being Sunday and Monday, is the position of most of the scholars of tafsir, that the creation of the heavens and the earth began on a Sunday, 
And then, so then he finished on a Friday because Allah Azza wa says that he created heavens and the earth in six days. We said Tati Ayyam. And we know that the Prophet told us that Allah Azza wa created, finished the creation on a Friday. So therefore, if it finishes on a Friday, then it starts on a Sunday. And Allah knows best. وَجَعَلَ فِيهَا رَوَاسِيَ مِنْ فَوْقِهَا وَبَارَكَ فِيهَا وَقَدَّرَ فِيهَا أَقْوَاتَهَا فِي أَرْبَعَةِ أَيَّامٍ سَوَاءً لِلسَّائِلِينَ He placed firmly embedded mountains on it, towering over it, and blessed it with plentiful water, crops and livestock, and measured out its nourishment in it for mankind and animals over four days, laid out for those who seek it, all in four days. Adding Tuesday and Wednesday to the first two days. This is the answer for those who ask about the creation of the earth and what is in it. And then in verse number 10, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fi arba'ati ayyam in four days, doesn't mean an additional four days to the two that are already mentioned in verse 9. He means including those, it is four days. Because otherwise, if you add four days, you've already gone to six days in the creation of the earth, and then you have other days with the creation of the heavens, so you've surpassed the six. So as Shaykh Muhammad Amin al Shaqiqi rahmahullah ta'ala mentioned, there is no other tafsir that you can have of this verse except that the four days mentioned in verse 10 includes the two that were mentioned in verse 9. So altogether there is a total of four days. Then Allah created the heavens in two days and so the completion is in six days as Allah mentions in numerous verses in the Quran. Then he turned his attention to heaven when it was smoke, a rising mist, and said to it and to the earth, Come willingly or unwillingly, obediently or reluctantly, to what I desire of you. They both said, We come together with those within us willingly. And Imam al-Tabri in his tafsir of verse number 11, that they both come, we come with everything within us willingly, is that Allah Azza wa commanded the heavens to have within it the sun and the moon and the stars. And that he commanded the earth to have within it its mountains and its trees and its oceans. In two days, meaning Thursday and Friday, he determined them as seven heavens and completed that in the last hour of Friday during which he created Adam. And so he created all existent things in six days. And revealed in every heaven its own mandate, inspired every heaven with what it was commanded to do by way of obedience and worship. We adorned the lowest heaven with lamps, meaning stars, and guarded it against the eavesdropping of the shaytans with meteors. That is the decree of the Almighty in His kingdom, the all knowing of His creation. If they, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, turn away from faith after things have been made clear, then say to frighten them, I warn you of a lightning bolt which will destroy you, like, like the lightning bolts of Ad and of Thamud, which destroyed them. In verse 13, this is the passage of the Quran that was recited from the beginning up until this point that I mentioned, I think perhaps before of Abu walid the man who went to the Prophet and he gave him a number of offers that if you stop your religion, we will make you the most wealthiest man amongst us, we will marry you to any woman that you want, we will make you our leader and not execute any decision unless you approve it, and so on and so forth. And so when he finished with his offers, the Prophet said to him, Afaragta, are you done? He said, yes. The Prophet started to recite Surah Fussilat. 
from its beginning, which as you can see are very powerful verses about the need to worship Allah Azza wa Jal and the signs of His creation of the heavens and the earth. And then he reached this verse, verse number 13. If they disbelieved and mourned them of the same mourning that was given to Ad and Thamud, the same punishment that was given to Ad and Thamud. And as I said before, and we mentioned before, that Ad and Thamud were known as Arab tribes because they lived in the peninsula. And they were Arabs that were familiar to the other Arabs. And so it is when he came to this point that Abu Walid asked him by Allah to stop reciting. Don't read anymore because of the fear that he felt. إذ جاءتهم الرسل من بين أيديهم ومن خلفهم ألا تعبدوا إلا الله. When the messengers came to them from in front and from behind, and they rejected their message as will be mentioned, saying, "Do not worship anyone but Allah." قالوا لو شاء ربنا لأنزل ملائكة فإن بما أرسلتم به كافرون. They said, if our Lord had willed, He could have sent angels down to us. So we reject the message you have been sent with. Ad were arrogant in the land, without any right, saying, when they were threatened with the punishment, who has greater strength than us? No one, they thought. One of them could wrench out an immense stone from a mountain and put it wherever he wished. أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا أَنَّ اللَّهَ الَّذِي خَلَقَهُمْ هُوَ أَشَدُّ مِنْهُمْ قُوَّةِ Did they not see and know that Allah who created them had greater strength than them? وَكَانُوا بِآيَاتِنَا يَجْحَدُونَ But they renounced our signs, meaning miracles. In verse number 15, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the strength of Aad, as he has mentioned elsewhere in the Qur'an. And the author again has brought a tradition that isn't from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa hadith that they would wrench out stones from the mountains. As he mentioned elsewhere, that their size was that they were 60 cubits in length and, and so on. The Quran mentions that they were extremely strong. Allah gave you increased strength. But the meaning of that strength and what it means in terms of size and height and so on, those types of descriptions, that is only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't have any authentic narrations concerning that. And Allah knows best. فأرسلنا عليهم ريحا صرصرا في أيام نحسات لنذيقهم عذاب الخزي في الحياة الدنيا. So we sent a howling wind. The word used here means a bitterly cold wind with no rain in it against them and disastrous ill-fated read as نحسات and نحسات days to make them taste the punishment of degradation in this world. But the punishment of the next of the next world is even more degrading. And they will not be helped. No one will defend them. In this verse, verse number 16, Allah Azza wa mentions the punishment of Ad that is mentioned elsewhere in the Quran. But Allah says, Rihan Sarsara. And Rihan Sarsara is a wind with two attributes. Number one, that it is extremely fierce and violent. And number two, that it is bitterly cold. As Al-Mahalli rahimahullah ta'ala mentions. So it is a, a wind that is extremely violent and fierce. But within it is a bitter cold. And that is how they were punished. And the uh, verse continues and says, Rihan sarsaran fi nahisat. Against them, the author says, or the translator rather, on disastrous, ill-fated days. The word nahisat has two meanings. Number one is the translation, disastrous and ill-fated. But number two is that they were consecutive days. They were consecutive. The word Nahisat means consecutive also because Allah Azza wa will tell us 
in the Quran elsewhere seven nights and eight days the destruction and punishment continued so nahisat means that they were extremely severe days but also that they were consecutive days as well as for Thamud, we guided them, making the path of guidance clear to them. But they preferred blindness to guidance by choosing unbelief. So the lightning bolts of the humiliating punishment seized them on account of what they earned. And we rescued those among them who believed and were God-fearing. On the day the enemies of Allah are crowded, read as Yuhshawu and also Nahshawu, in which case the meaning is we crowd, into the fire and they are driven in close packed ranks. When they reach it, their hearing, sight, and skin will testify against them concerning what they did. They will ask their skins, why did you testify against us? And they will reply, Allah gave the speech as he has given speech to everything by his will. He created you in the first place and you will be returned to him. This is said to be spoken by the skins and is also said to be the words of Allah, as is what follows. The one who had the power to originate them the first time and can restore them to life has the power to make the skins and limbs speak. You did not think to shield yourselves by not committing foul actions from your hearing, sight and skin testifying against you because you did not think you would be resurrected. And you thought that Allah would never know much of what you did. In these verses we mentioned before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah people's limbs and their body parts will testify against them. When they refuse to accept the testimony of anything or anyone else, Allah will make them testify against themselves. And that is a testimony and a witness account that they cannot deny in any way, shape or form. In verse 22, Allah Azza wa says, And you thought that what you said, what you did, what you heard, what you saw, will never testify against you. That it's something that would be hidden from everyone else. And this is, uh, it is said that this verse was revealed in relation to an incident that took place in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, in the narration of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, says that a group of men gathered in a house from Quraysh and Thaqif. Quraysh is the tribe of Mecca, Thaqif is the tribe of Ta'if. They gathered in a house together, and they were plotting and planning. So some of them said to the others, aren't you afraid that maybe Allah is listening to us? Another said, Allah can't hear us in this house. Another said from amongst them, maybe he hears some of it only. So then the one who asked the question replied, that makes no sense. If he hears some of it, why can't he hear all of it? And because of their difference of opinion as to whether Allah knows what they're saying and what they're doing, and, on, and their obliviousness of their evil, and thinking that they will have no one to be witness against them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. 
وذلكم ظنكم الذي ظننتم بربكم أرداكم فأصبحتم من الخاسرين It is that, that thought you had about your Lord that has destroyed you so now you find yourselves among the last as Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentions in verse number 23, it is because of your evil thought of Allah that Allah can't hear you, that Allah doesn't know, that Allah doesn't see, that led you to continue to do evil. And because of your increased in evil, now on this day you will suffer the punishment for that. And that shows the importance of knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing his names and attributes, because it is ignorance of Allah that leads people to innovation, leads people to misguidance, leads people to shirk. For a person who knows Allah, knows his names, knows his attributes, understands that Allah sees and hears and knows everything and that we will be held to account for everything, at the very least in their hearts they have that knowledge, that fear, that trepidation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if they are steadfast in face of the punishment, the fire will still be their residence. If they ask for favor, no favor will be given to them by anyone. We have assigned to them close comrades from among the shaytans who have made what is before them, meaning love of this world and the pursuit of gross appetites, and behind them, meaning the reality of the next world, by telling them that there is no resurrection and no reckoning, seem good to them. وَحَقَّ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقَوْلُ فِي أُمَمٍ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ And the statement, meaning the decree of punishment when Allah says, I will fill hellfire, about the nations, both of jinn and men, who passed away before them, has proven true, has proved true of them as well. إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا خَاسِرِينَ Certainly, they were lost and destroyed. In verse 25, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَيَّضْنَا لَهُمْ قُرَنَاءَ we have assigned for them close friends, close comrades. And as the opinion is of the majority of the scholars of tafsir, as Ibn Qayyim and Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti rahimahullah and others mention, it refers to the shayateen. And this will be in contrast to a verse that will come in about five or six verses time. Allah Azza wa makes a contrast between the disbelievers. Their awliya and their comrades and their close ones are the shayateen and the devils. And in verse 30-31 onwards, Allah Azza wa makes a contrast between the believers. And the believers and their awliya and the ones that are close to them are the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this verse, verse 25, Allah says that they have their comrades who are their confidants and they are shayateen, devils. And Allah says, فَزَيَّنُوا لَهُمْ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ And they beautified what was before them and what was behind them. Meaning, they beautified for them things in this world. So they committed sins and they were heedless of Allah, distracted by the dunya from Allah azza wa jal. And they beautified for them what will come after, meaning that on Yom Al-Qiyamah either it doesn't exist or there will be no accounting. Or if there is an accounting, Allah is all forgiving and merciful and therefore you have nothing to worry about. And Allah Azza wa says these are the people who will suffer loss. Those who disbelieved say that the Prophet وسلم, is reciting the Quran, do not listen to this Quran. Drown it out. In other words, make a noise and shout while he's reciting, so that perhaps you may gain the upper hand and he will stop reciting. Allah says about them, We 
we will make those who disbelieved suffer a severe punishment and repay them for the worst of what they did, meaning make them suffer most horrendous requital for their actions. That terrible punishment and repayment is the requital of the enemies of Allah, the fire. They will have it for their eternal home and abide in it forever and never leave it. As repayment for their renunciation of our signs, meaning Quran. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا رَبَّنَا أَلِنَ الَّذِينِ أَضَلَّانَا مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ Those who disbelieve say, in the fire, our Lord, show us those jinn and men who misguided us, a reference to Iblis and Qabil who made unbelief and murder a custom among men. نَجْعَلْهُمَا تَحْتَ أَقْدَامِنَا لِيَكُونَا مِنَ الْأَسْفَلِينَ And we will place them beneath our feet in the fire, so that they will be among the lowest of the low, receive a worse punishment than us. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels descend on those who say, Our Lord is Allah, and then go straight. In other words, affirm Allah's unity and do all the things which are mandatory for them. أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا Do not fear death and what lies after it, and do not grieve about any family and children you have left behind. وَأَبَشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُوْعَدُونَ But rejoice in the garden you have been promised. نَحْنُ أَوْلِيَ In verse number 30, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا The angels, those who say, our Lord is Allah, and they are firm upon this. In the hadith in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was asked, by one of the companions or messenger of Allah, tell me something that I can say in Islam that will give me paradise. He said, say, قُلْ آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ ثُمَّ Say, I believe in Allah, then be firm and upright upon that. What does it mean to be firm and upright upon that? Ibn Kathir and Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah, said, firmness and being upright is having iman and righteous deeds. Another from amongst them said, that al-istiqama is to be steadfast and firm in staying away from sin. And they are similar in meaning. Allah Azza wa says concerning these people, they will be told, do not fear nor despair. One of those meanings is, as the author Ta'ala says, do not fear what is coming ahead of you, meaning after death, from what happens in the grave and Yawmul Qiyamah, and do not despair about that which you will leave behind you, meaning from your family and your loved ones. Allah Azza wa will keep you safe in the next life, and Allah is the one who will protect and look after those who you leave behind. And that is one tafsir, and that is a good tafsir. And another tafsir is, do not fear, meaning for the actions that you put forth that were good, for Allah will preserve them and give you their reward in full. Nor despair or have sorrow for the evil deeds that you committed before, for Allah will forgive them and He will, and he will expiate them for you. And that is also a good tafsir. And Ibn Qayyim Taala has a very beautiful commentary about these verses in his book, and he makes a comparison between the believers and the disbelievers. As we said, the disbelievers, their comrades are the shayateen. And the believers, their protectors and comrades are the angels. 
And he said, just as the shayateen encourage and whisper to you to do evil and prompt you and prod you to disobey Allah and to break the ties of kinship and to steal and to lie and to cheat and to backbite and all of those things that the shayateen do in order to make you negligent of Allah and heedless of him subhanahu wa ta'ala, then likewise the angels do the opposite. And that is often the meaning that is hidden or neglected when you talk about the angels and their roles in preserving the believers. That the angels do the opposite, meaning that they encourage you to do good. They're the ones who remind you to pray. They're the ones who remind you and prod you when you do something wrong that you should make tawbah. They're the ones that tell you and whisper to you, or not whisper necessarily, but they tell you and encourage you and motivate you to do what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is a beautiful meaning of understanding these verses. When Allah Azza wa says that they are your protectors, the angels, it is not just simply the protection that is a type of protection from harm and evil, but they protect you from sin by encouraging you to do good, just as the shayateen encourage you to do evil. And Allah Azza wa says, تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ And in other verses, Allah Azza wa says, تَنَزَّلُ With the singular. And that is the difference between the two, and that is that the tatanazzalu in this verse refers to the constant coming and going of the angels because of the many Muslims and believers that die. So the tatanazzalu is that they are constantly ascending and descending from heaven to earth because they come at every time that the believer passes away. Each one of them they give to them this assurance, and Allah knows best. <coughs> We are your protectors, meaning guarding you in the life of this world and the next world. And we will be with you until you enter the garden. You will have there all that yourselves could wish for. You will have there everything you demand. In verse 31, Allah says, We are your protectors in this life and in the next world. And the scholars differ as to what that refers to. Does it mean at the time of death? Does it mean in the grave? Does it mean when they are resurrected? And Ibn Kathir Taala, he chose the opinion or he liked the opinion of some of the scholars who said that it refers to all of those stages. They protect you in the dunya, they protect you at the time of death, they protect you in the grave, they protect you on the day of resurrection, meaning that they will give you safety from that fear and give you uh, safety from that despair and sorrow that people may feel otherwise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي أَنفُسُكُمْ And this is one of the most comprehensive and therefore one of the most beautiful descriptions of the rewards of Jannah. Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran that He will have palaces and gardens and rivers and, and so on. All of that is mentioned in the Quran. But the most comprehensive description of the rewards of the Quran is that you will have in it everything you wish for and desire. Everything you wish for. And that is therefore whatever you wish, however you wish, in whichever manner that you wish, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it to you. And that is why the last man who enters into Jannah, as he comes from the fire and is standing by the gate of Jannah, Allah will say to him, Tamanna, wish. And the man will wish. And then after he stops wishing, Allah will say to him again, wish. And he will continue to wish until there is nothing left for him to wish for. And then the Prophet Allah Azza will say to him, for you is everything in the dunya, and double it. And in the other narration of the wording of the hadith, the other companion said, I heard the Prophet say, he will say, Allah will say to the man, for you is everything in the dunya, and ten times its life. And that is because in Jannah, you have anything that you wish for. And Allah knows best. 
As hospitality, welcome and provision from one who is ever forgiving, most merciful. Meaning in, Allah. in verse 32, that is the meaning of Nuzul. Nuzul means what you give to a guest, hospitality. And so Allah Azza treats the people of Jannah as his honored guests, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا مِّمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحَهُ وَقَالَ إِنَّنِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Who could say anything better than someone who summons to the unity of Allah, acts rightly and says, I am one of the Muslims. No one can say anything better than this. وَلَا تَسْتَوِي الْحَسَنَةُ وَلَا السَّيِّئَةُ A good action and a bad action are not the same. This may also mean that good and bad actions vary according to the extent of their respective goodness or badness. Repel the bad action with something better, a quality that is better than it. For instance, you may repel anger with steadfastness, rashness with forbearance, and harm with forgiveness. And if there is enmity between you and someone else, he will be like a bosom friend. Then your enemy will become like a close friend in his love for you if you do that. In, in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, good deeds and bad deeds are not equal. And some of the scholars said that that is general. Every good deed is not equal to every bad deed. And others said that what is primarily being referred to here is shirk and tawheed. Tawheed is the good deed and shirk is the evil deed. They are not equal. And both meanings are similar. <coughs> None will obtain it but those who are truly steadfast. وَمَا يُلَقَّاهَا إِلَّا ذُو حَظٍ عَظِيمٍ None will obtain it, meaning the better quality, but those who have great good fortune, meaning reward. And in verse 35, وَمَا يُلَقَّاهَا إِلَّا الَّذِينَ صَبَرُوا They will not obtain it, except those who are steadfast, and they will not obtain it, except those who have great good fortune. What is referring to as it, what is the it that has been referred to? Many of the scholars of Tafsir said it is Jannah. Jannah is what is being referred to. You will not obtain it except through patience. And to those that Allah Azza wa has favored and blessed. That is the meaning of those who have good fortune. And the other meaning is Tawheed. That you can only attain Tawheed through patience and perseverance. And that is something which Allah Azza wa is from His greatest blessings. And clearly, there is a clear causation between the two. It is Tawheed that gives you the Jannah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If an evil urge from shaitan eggs you on and he turns you aside from that quality and other good attributes, seek refuge in Allah. He is the all-hearing of what is said, the all-knowing of what is done. In verse 36, Allah If an evil urge from shaitan comes to you, then seek refuge in Allah. He is the all-hearing, the all-knowing. And this is similar to verse 200 of Surah Al-A'raf, which Allah Azza wa mentions the same thing, but at the end he says, إِنَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ He is the possessor of knowledge, the possessor of hearing. And he doesn't put the Al in front of those two names, the all hearing, the all seeing. Ibn Qayyim has a very nice tafsir of this. And he says, because in Surah Al-A'raf, Allah Azza wa is speaking generally about the harm of the shayateen. And so it's enough for you to know that Allah is all hearing, all knowing in terms of protecting you from the shayateen. Whereas in this surah, Allah Azza wa is speaking about something specific. And that is what we mentioned the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud of those men from Quraysh and Thaqif. And they're thinking that Allah cannot hear everything. 
Allah hears only something. Allah misses certain things. That's so Allah Azza wa Jal mentions He is all hearing and all knowing. Not just simply the possessor of, 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 of hearing and knowledge because that is general. But He is all hearing and all seeing with the L in order to speak about the context of this surah. And Allah knows best. Among his signs are the night and day, and the sun and moon. Do not prostrate to the sun nor to the moon. Prostrate to Allah who created them, meaning these signs if you worship him. فَإِنْ اسْتَكْبَرُوا فَالَّذِينَ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ يُسَبِّحُونَ لَهُ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَهُمْ لَا يَسْأَمُونَ If they grow too arrogant to prostrate to Allah alone, those who are with your Lord, meaning the angels, glorify Him night and day in prayer and never grow tired. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنَّكَ تَرَى الْأَرْضَ خَاشِعَةً فَإِذَا أَنْزَلْنَا عَلَيْهَا الْمَاءَ اهْتَزَّتْ وَرَبَتْ among his signs is that you see the earth laid bare and arid with no plants on it. And then, when we send down water on it, it quivers and swells. <laughs> he who gives it life is he who gives life to the dead. <laughs> Certainly, he has power over all things. Those who adulterate, read as يُلْحِدُونَ and يَلْحَدُونَ Our signs, meaning the Qur'an, which they deny, are not concealed from us, and we will repay them. أَفَمَنْ يُلْقَى فِي النَّارِ خَيْرٌ أَمَّنْ يَأْتِي آمِنًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Who is better, someone who will be thrown into the fire, or someone who will arrive in safety on the day of rising. اِعْمَلُوا مَا شِئْتُمْ Do what you like. إِنَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ He sees whatever you do. This is a threat. Those who reject the remembrance, meaning the Qur'an, when it comes to them, we will repay them. Truly, it is a mighty book. Falsehood cannot reach it from before it or behind it. Nothing can invalidate it before it or after it. It is a revelation from one who is all wise, praiseworthy in what he does. In verse 42, Allah says, Falsehood does not come from it from before or from behind. And the tafsir that you have here is one tafsir. Another tafsir is that you cannot add something to it nor detract anything from it. Nothing can be added to the Quran nor removed from the Quran. Nothing can be changed from the Qur'an. Falsehood cannot approach it in any way. There is no contradiction within it. No one can say it's missing something. We need to add something. Or there is something extra. So therefore something needs to be removed. And that is why the scholars don't like the tafsir of... Some of the scholars of tafsir, when they do a linguistic uh, tafsir of the Qur'an, in terms of a grammatical tafsir, and they say that this word is extra, or this letter is extra, they don't like that tafsir. Because there is nothing extra in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. ما يقال لك إلا ما قد قيل للرسل من قبلك. Nothing has been said to you by way of denial that was not said to the messengers before you. إن ربك لذو مغفرة وذو عقاب أليم. Your Lord is the possessor of forgiveness for believers, but also of painful retribution for unbelievers. 
ولو جعلناه قرآنا أعجميا لقالوا لولا فصلت آياته If we had made it, meaning the reminder, a Qur'an in a foreign tongue, they would have said, Why have its signs not been made plain? So that we may understand it. What? A foreign language for an Arab. is a Qur'an in a foreign tongue when the Prophet is an Arab. This implies a negative answer. Say, it is guidance away from error and healing for ignorance for people who believe. وَالَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ فِي آذَانِهِمْ وَهُوَ عَلَيْهِمْ Those who do not believe have heaviness in their ears, preventing them from hearing. And for them it is blindness, meaning that they do not understand it. أُولَٰئِكَ يُنَادَوْنَ مِن مَكَانٍ بَعِيدٍ Such people are being called from a very distant place. They are like someone who is being called from a distance, and so they do not hear or understand what is being said. In this verse, verse 44 of Surah Fussilat, Allah says, قُلْ هُوَ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا هُدَوْ وَشِفَاءٌ For those people who believe in the Qur'an, it is for them a guidance and a mean of healing, a cure. And Imam ibn Qayyim, ta'ala, in a number of his words, Zad al-Ma'ad and al-Jawab al-Kafi and others, has very beautiful statements concerning the, the Qur'an being used as a cure. And he mentions himself that he was once in Mecca and he couldn't find a doctor and he couldn't find any medicine and he was extremely ill. So he spent his days reciting Surah Fatiha upon himself and he says that Allah cured me. And then I met other people in Mecca who were in a similar situation and I gave them the same advice and Allah cured them. But then he says, why is it the case that many people recite Surah Fatiha and other parts of the Quran and it doesn't do anything for them? He said, because the Quran in itself is an extremely powerful medicine but in order for the medicine to be completely effective or truly effective, the one who takes the medicine has to also be one who is pure of heart. And the way that the medicine is applied must be done also in the correct way. And then there can be no obstacles that prevent that medicine from taking effect. You need all of those different elements in order for the Qur'an to be a cure. So yes, the Qur'an is a cure in and of itself. But if the one who is using it doesn't have very strong iman, doesn't have that trust in Allah, doesn't have that trust in the Qur'an and in the book of Allah Azza wa it will have very little effect on them. And that is a meaning that we often neglect when it comes to using the book of Allah Azza wa in terms of ruqya and in terms of making dua. And even in the duas that we make generally, if our heart doesn't have that firm conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability to answer and that he will answer, then the dua in itself becomes weak. And then there can be no obstacles, meaning that certain sins prevent dua from being answered. As mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, food that is haram and clothing that is haram and drink that is haram, haram sustenance and so on. Those are things that prevent dua from being answered. And so it has to be done in the correct way and applied in the best way. And then the Qur'an is something which cures. And Ibn Qayyim says, and why wouldn't it cure? This is the Qur'an that Allah says that were it to be revealed on a mountain, the mountain would crumble into dust. Were it to be revealed on the earth, the earth would rent asunder, would split and crack open because of the power. So therefore what possible uh, resistance does an illness have if the mountains and the earth cannot bear it? What does an illness have that the Qur'an cannot cure? But the problem is not the cure, the problem is in the administration and application of that cure. وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا مُوسَ الْكِتَابَ فَاخْتُلِفَ we gave Musa the book, meaning the Torah, but there, dis- but there was disagreement about it. Some people denying it and some affirming it, which is also the case with the Quran. كَلِمَةٌ سَبَقَتْ مِنْ رَبِّكَ لَقُرْيَ بَيْنَهُمْ 
and had it not been for a prior word from your Lord that the reckoning and repayment of creatures would be deferred until the day of rising, the judgment between them would already have been made in this world about their disagreement. They are indeed in grave doubt about it. Whoever acts rightly, it is for his own good and benefit. Whoever does evil, it is to his detriment, and his evil comes back on himself. Your Lord does not wrong his slaves. Allah never wrongs anyone in any way. As he says, Allah does not wrong anyone by so much as the smallest mount. In verse 46, Allah says, وَمَا رَبُّكَ بِظَلَّامٍ لِلْعَبِيدِ Your Lord does not wrong his slaves. The word ظلام is the intensive form, the more eloquent form. Your Lord is not most oppressive to his slaves. And in the Arabic language and in other languages as well, when you use the most intensive form, it doesn't negate the base form from being absent. If you say, for example, someone doesn't consistently beat their children, that means they don't do it regularly. It doesn't mean that they don't do it at all. If you say that someone doesn't regularly, I don't know, steal, means they don't do it regularly. It doesn't mean that they don't do it at all. So why does Allah Azza wa in this verse say concerning himself that he is not the dhallam, that he is not the one who is most oppressive, regularly, consistently oppressive? Because from what can be understood from them then is that we don't negate that on the odd occasion, that he is oppressive, ta'ala Allahu dhalik, and that is clearly not the meaning because Allah Azza wa Jal is free from oppression subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the question therefore is why did Allah Azza wa Jal use it in this form and not just simply say zalim, which is that he is an oppressor. Why use the more intensive form which when it's used in other everyday speech can be understood to mean that it is the excessive form that is being negated and not the, not the occasional occurrence of that word. Knowledge of the hour is referred to him. Allah knows when it will occur and no one but him knows that. And no fruit, read as thamarat or thamara, plural and singular, emerges from its husk except by his knowledge. Nor does any female get pregnant or give birth without his knowledge. وَيَوْمَ يُنَادِيهِمْ أَيْنَ شُرَكَائِي قَالُوا آذَنَّا كَمَا مِنَّا مِنْ شَهِيدٍ On the day he calls out to them, where are my associates? They will say, we declare to you that we now know that none of us is a witness, that you have a partner. وَظَلَّ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَدْعُونَ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَظَنُّوا مَا لَهُمْ مِنْ مَحِيصٍ what, meaning the idols they called upon and worshipped before in this world will have forsaken them and they will realize with certainty that they have no way of escape from the punishment. Man never tires of praying for what is good and continues to ask his Lord for wealth and health and other things. And if evil touches him, meaning poverty and hardship, he despairs of Allah's mercy and loses hope. Verse 50. This and what follows is about the unbelievers. But if we let him taste mercy as a gift, such as wealth and health from us after he has suffered hardship, meaning harm and affliction, then he says, this is my due, because of my actions. 
وما أظن الساعة قائمة ولئن رجعت إلى ربي إن لي عنده للحسنى I do not think that the hour is going to come, and if I am returned to my Lord, I will definitely find the best reward, meaning the garden with him. But we will inform those who disbelieved of what they did and make them suffer an implacable punishment. When we grant blessing to a man, meaning people in general, he turns away from thankfulness and draws aside. وَإِذَا مَسَّهُ الشَّرُّ فَذُو دُعَاءٍ عَرِيضٍ But when any evil touches him, he is full of many endless prayers. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ كَثَرْتُمْ بِهِ مَنْ أَضَلُّ مِمَّنْ هُوَ فِي شِقَاقٍ بَعِيدٍ Say, what do you think? If it, meaning the Qur'an, is from Allah, as the Prophet ﷺ says, and you reject it, who could be more misguided, meaning further from the truth, than someone entrenched in hostility to it? This explains their state. سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقَّ We will show them our signs on the horizon, in the heavens and the earth. They are signs in the form of lights, plants and trees. And within themselves, in the subtle workmanship and marvelous wisdom of their physical makeup, until it is clear to them that it, meaning the Quran, is the truth, sent down from Allah regarding the resurrection, reckoning, and punishment. They will then be punished for their unbelief. Is it not enough for your Lord that He is witness of everything and nothing is hidden from Him? In verse 53, Allah says, we will show them our signs on the horizon within themselves. One tafsir is the one that Al-Muhalli rahimahullah ta'ala has chosen. Afaq meaning in the heavens, from what they see. Wafi anfusihim, in themselves, meaning on earth, in the human body, and around them upon the earth. That is one tafsir. The other tafsir that is chosen by Ibn Kathir and Al-Tabari, alayhima rahmatullah, is sanurihim ayatina fil afaq, that the signs of the horizon is the supremacy of Islam, that it will conquer and take over the Arabian Peninsula in the time of the Prophet ﷺ and then beyond that after him. Wafi and Fusihim and the sign within themselves therefore is the sign of their dominance on the day of Badr and the conquest of Mecca and so on. And so that is the tafsir that they chose because they say that the context of verses is to do with Tawheed and the belief of Allah rather than the signs of Allah in His creation and Allah knows best. أَلَا إِنَّهُمْ فِي مِرْيَةٍ مِنْ لِقَاءِ رَبِّهِمْ What? Are they in doubt about the meeting with their Lord? And do they deny the resurrection? أَلَا إِنَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُحِيطٍ What? Does he not encompass all things? Allah has total knowledge and power and will repay the unbelievers for their unbelief. Ahsanat, barakallahu feek. And with that we come to the end of Surah Fussilat and therefore the end of today's session. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.